welcome back to the Ice Cream Parlor. I'm Heidi. And I'm Stefan. And today we are, yeah, we have a special guest, Fuddy Chambers. First <laughs> virtual guest. And oh, like you mentioned Who was earlier, our first our physical first guest physical too. Guest. So, yeah. you know, we got to keep popping our cherry every stage of our, of our podcast. So yeah. welcome back. Hey, thanks guys. Thanks guys for having me back. Yeah, this is, uh, this is very strange. This whole, like this whole setup, it, but, it's, but it's cool. It, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We got to make it work somehow. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever makes it happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, we got our wine we got guitars everywhere and, and we can watch scary movies. It's like kind of perfect for us right now. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great, like, I wish I had my wine, but uh, I don't have it. So I'll just, uh, don't I'll you, do have this wine? you don't day drink. I, I, you know, what's weird. I, during this whole thing, I've been strangely sober during the whole pandemic. I know. Lame, you know what? Right? Me too. Like me too. It's so weird because Spuddy and I always talk about how we're like the same person in another dimension. Um, <laughs> I also haven't, like, I only drink like on the podcast. And even then lately it's been a gla- one glass of wine and usually seven <laughs> finishes it. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, same thing. It's like, I mean, I, I could be shit faced at home and sloppy or I can be productive. So yeah, I guess yeah, I'm the opposite because I've been drinking a lot during the pandemic. Matter of fact, even today I figured I'd I'd bring out the big glass and fill it all the way to the top. So nice, that is very nice, and I'm, I'm yeah. incredibly jealous. I'm yeah, I'm just like I should be drunk every day, but I'm like I feel like people would expect me to be drunk every day, so I want to just do the opposite of their expectations and just be completely sober. And Fair. <laughs> Speaking of productive, you have a new project coming out. Yes, uh, Bionic Beauty. Um, well, the last project, which is, how can I describe this? It's like everything 80s thrown into a blender, hit puree, and it's just that shit crazy. Like, um, there's a sitcom first that we're shooting, which is Bionic Beauty. Uh, I would say it's in line with things that you've seen in the 80s, family sitcoms, uh, Small Wonder in particular. Um, I love Small Wonder. Uh, oh, my gosh. We were just, you were just talking, talking about, about it. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 what is it? Was it was some meme. Vicky the Robot, said, right? Yeah, it was oh, yeah, something like, if you know who it. this is. Yeah, I love Small Wonder. And along the same vein, there was also on Out of This World or something, right? And it was yes. like freeze time. Yes, yeah. yes. I had <laughs> Evie. Evie. Evie, was Evie exactly. He's like, who's that? A- and I'm like, well, I remember her old, was, but, I, I remember yeah. but like I had such a crush on her as a kid. Like when she when she like walked through the door, the paint was about me to too. Fall and she does that. Oh, <laughs> one of my first crushes. Um, yeah, like when I watched, uh, actually, um, I think this is around the same time we were about to shoot uh, Blood Money, and I kind of just sat down and started watching heavily eighty sitcoms and particularly Small Wonder. And I just remember watching the show and going this premise is fucked up. Like this guy steals parts from his job, creates a girl who's going to service his daughter. And he's got a wife who I guess you can still get pregnant. I was like, this is a very strange show. And then the girl sleeps in the boy's closet. And then I started like going down the well of like, the show, like uh, the guy he who built his the- son a sex robot. <laughs> yeah, he created, the, he created a sex robot before. Like, he built his son a sex robot, and it's <laughs> and it's the funniest thing because to get her to kind of like stop or pause, you hit her on the top of her head, and that's oh how. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, god not only that like i recently watched like because i i like some reaction videos and i re- recently mm-hmm. watched actually i think it was 
uh, Craft After Hours. I don't know if you watched Craft After Hours, but it was like my thing back in the day. I think they stopped mm-hmm. shooting it some years ago. But they were talking about how the most fucked up episode of anything 80s was Small Wonder, an episode where this where uh, they figure out that this one kid is kidnapped. I remember this and, one. Right? <laughs> this one kid yes. is kidnapped. And then he like um, all of like, you know, all family sitcom at the end. And they're like, well, he left with his dad again. Oh, well. Let's have cake. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that. They're completely indifferent to this girl being kidnapped by her father. It's just like they make light yeah. of it. And in this project, uh, the sitcom, because uh, this is probably more multi-layered than anything I've previously done before. Um, for this one, it's like we're doing the sitcom first. We're shooting that for like a couple of days. Um, so it's basically small wonder, but if the robot gained, <laughs> gained sentience, realized how fucked up humanity is and just started going on a killing spree let's say um that sounds awesome it's like the what is it like the fem nikita isn't that something kind of similar that's, that's the um nikita uh because that's the one where she was like the spy right yeah but i thought she was like kind of bionic no, I don't. She wasn't bionic. Wait, in there's that, this that movie was... from the 80s that I know there was like this part woman, part machine thing, and I can never find it. But there are a lot of movies that I think maybe I made up in my head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, uh, maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's not because I have fucked up dreams and sometimes it could just be that. But um, but that sounds like really fascinating. Now, going back to Small Wonder, I mm-hmm. Didn't she start to develop not not feelings exactly, but a greater understanding of the um, of the human existence and experience? Like every episode, she learned a little bit more of what it was to be a person. She so she, it, it, she it does. would stand that it would stand that at some point she would start to develop maybe like that artificial intelligence that that sentient uh, being mm-hmm. tech, uh, part of her. Um, what is it? Mother, motherboard and yeah. whatever science, science, science. And then uh, start doing killings. Like, why wouldn't you like, yeah. like look at our society. Why wouldn't you just want to like, just get rid of all the people and start over again? Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I, I, I remember on the show they had to explain because, you know, you had a couple of, you know, you have about, I think three child actors, including mm-hmm. one played Vicky. They had to explain, Oh, well, the, the guy, her the, her father on the show, Ted, he had to extend her joints because he had to explain somehow she's getting bigger um, because mm. she just, so they just tried to That's cram gross. in. <laughs> <laughs> they had to cram in as much like, um, like episodes as they could because the kids were getting older rapidly. Right. And I, I remember in this, uh, this project, I just watched these episodes and I was like, my God, like this premise is crazy creepy and like the, she has to sleep in the boy's closet so I try to make it very and I always remember from the 80s um like a sitcoms in particular like they would have like something would happen in the episode but the next week it would reset in terms of like there was no carryover in terms of like what you learned yeah. or anything it's like it was very syndicated and very like much standalone like, episodes almost mm-hmm. yeah, exactly so in this one, they're very self-conscious. <laughs> Something horrific, incredibly horrific happens in the first episode, which somehow is they have a PSA at the end of this episode that has, mm-hmm. it has something to do with, has to do with something that you did not see at all in what you just watched in the previous 20 minutes. 
It's incredibly <laughs> fucked up. It's probably so like the PSA. The PSA at the end of that kidnapping <laughs> episode is don't get kidnapped. <laughs> it really wasn't have, like it wasn't Punky Kate. Brewster that taught you. Like Punky Brewster taught you don't play inside of a fucking refrigerator. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but small wonder it was like don't get kidnapped. Yeah, don't get kidnapped. I, I can't, I, for me, they're so like I'm kind of confused <laughs> with so many of them because I don't really remember. I remember the titles. I remember little details, but like small. So which, the one that you're talking about with the fingers together is okay. Yeah. So the small wonder one, I'm having trouble visualizing that one. So right it's now. a little girl <laughs> in a red dress with a white apron. Okay, so that's not the... <laughs> that's a small wonder. Right. And then she had the neighbor that was extremely nosy. And I always remember, no, 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 no. Right? Okay, Harriet. So she was kind Harriet. of... She, Harriet. She was very robotic, that one with the yes. dress, yeah, right? Yeah, she talked like this. Right. And and so then the yes, other one that Ted. put her fingers together was more was like... Was Evie a, and she was a real person, real but person. her dad was half alien. Gotcha. Duh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to... There remember. was a lot of good cocaine <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, and, and this one, and this one, um, basically this updated version of parody, a little bit of small wonder, um, it's... Uh, it, I, I basically I have, and you remember in the eighties, early nineties, you would have these older actors playing young parts. Like you'd have almost fifty-year-olds playing, um, you know, fifteen-year-olds. So I decided to have uh, one of my actors from my first two movies, who's in his thirties. I said, "How would you feel about playing a nine-year-old?" And he was <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's like, "Sure." He's like, "Right on, let's do it." And uh, we I have, hope he has a mustache. <laughs> He carries a lunchbox. It's going to be so cute. I'm going to have him with an IZOD shirt and everything. It's going to be so incredibly dumb. Awesome. It's going to be fantastic. Awesome. And, and um, yeah, I'm actually really proud of it. We had the read through um, earlier this week, and the actors are all going to, they're all good. Um, it's going to be incredibly, like, it's very funny until it gets to the end and it gets incredibly dark and fucked up. And I was like, I was just watching their performance and going, oh my God. This, I don't know whether I'm proud or embarrassed that I wrote this, but I love it. <laughs> and well, that sounds shooting. like it's right, like it's it, it's right up our alley. Like yeah. we dig <laughs> fucked up shit. And it's we're we're shooting on the third day after we shoot the sitcom. We're shooting fictitious commercials uh, that will air in between awesome. <laughs> the, the show. Like we're having, I mean, it's just shit that I kind of grew up on, on, like watching syndicated TV as a child. Like I think we have a one nine hundred sex line ad, and please be like obese men. Like you call to speak to obese men. Like that. I wish would I thought be of awesome. that. I wish I thought of that. These are girls who are you know very attractive, but they are very forward. Because I remember I watched these commercials. I always, even as a child, I'm like, why don't they just admit what they're calling for? But no, like the girls, you know, like her phone. She's like, I'm waiting for you to call me. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, you don't care. Just give it. So basically, basically in this, the girls are very direct going, give us your fucking money. Um, and they get excited by everything, everything. Reaganomics, tax brackets, hemorrhoids. It's over the top. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And uh, I, we have that. We have a parody of like a late night soap opera, like a Dynasty, Dallas, Falcon Crest. Um, and then within that commercial, there's an ad. Um, basically, the actress that you just saw in the soap opera is having to do an interview explaining her drug use. And I awesome. 
and she, and she starts tweaking when she sees a brick of cocaine and it's um, it's fucked up and um i'm trying to think of the oh yes we have a coffee ad like a taster's choice that somehow segues into a gender reversal of fatal attraction so nice that's the way coffee commercials should be because coffee <laughs> is like right up there with cocaine where you jones for it and you get fucking withdrawals like yeah. I kid you not, like right now that we're in ice, like we're, we're still in isolation pretty much here at home. Yeah. And for the most part, I'm a real asshole when I don't have coffee, huh? Uh, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm a dick when I don't have coffee. I'm like, I'll wake up and my, my aunt's the same way because we're both like in the mornings we're like, and someone will have a conversation with me. Like my grandmother used to, and I would just be like, not yet. Coffee. Coffee. Exactly. Coffee. <laughs> the first sip, I'm like, okay, I'm becoming a human being. Now I can have a dialogue <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I can relate. So, so we're both assholes when we don't have coffee in the morning. Absolutely. I'm an on and off <laughs> coffee person. Like I used to like, have coffee, coffee every morning yeah. in certain scenarios, but like then I would stop and I wouldn't drink it at all. And now it really just depends. Like if she makes it, I'll drink it. If not, I'm not, I'm not really... I don't need yeah. the coffee. Well, but. So he drinks a lot of coffee because I'm very polite. I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee. And I'm like, do you want some? And I think to save my feelings, he goes, sure. And and then he doesn't realize that I'm like in my mind. And I got my two cups of coffee. Well, <laughs> I'm, I don't know, there, I'm like, I tell people, I go, I, I have to drink coffee so I don't kill you. <laughs> like, I'm doing this for you. But, but yeah, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked about this project. We're shooting it in um, August. And then, um, the the previous movie by um sorry blood money and my previous works i'm trying to get all on amazon prime um the the pandemic's kind of fucked everything up um for just film production slightly (laughs) festivals it's killed everything um but i'm gonna try to get everything on prime and for this project i um i'm kind of thinking of it as a uh a weird little pilot uh Mm. that i can shop around because i kind of have an idea for uh where i want to take it and then um yeah, it's weird. It's like you would think that everything's kind of slow because of the pandemic in a weird way. But like I'm having to do this project and then there's two other projects I want to do right after I'm done with this. Like one I'm working on with um, Nina from my last movie, uh, Nina Soul. <sighs> OK, continue. <laughs> I, I know she's she's pretty awesome. Um, we are working on a project called uh, Violent Origami, which is basically a sequel to a weird sequel that to Blood awesome. Money. <laughs> and just the name alone, Violent Origami. It's, it's awesome. weird. Yeah. It's a it's a it's just an action like action movie. Um kind of picks up where her character let, let off because I initially I thought her character was gonna die and then I watched mm-hmm. her act and perform and I was like I kinda came up with a story. Her. Yeah, she her performance was so good. I go, Yeah, she gets a reprise. Oh, okay, what can I do? Oh, let's just and then the story came together and we're actually working. Yeah. It. <laughs> it, it, uh, we're working with some like producers and some uh, investors to like um, put together a budget and uh, get that done. So uh, right now it's just kind nice. of COVID nineteen's kind of made everything slow. And then there's a horror movie I'm trying to do, which is kind of like um, called Colony, uh, which is um, it's like a it's a like a monster slash body horror Cronenberg kind of film, uh, just very grotesque, very grotesque. And I have this. Do you really, need a consultant for it? Do you need a gore consultant? I I know who to go to. I'm gonna go to you. I should. You know what I should do? I should. Um, <laughs> I should tell you about. Uh, I should send you the script. Um, I'm very proud awesome. of it. It's very grotesque. It's very graphic. But it's like 
80s kind of like monster body horror. And I have this really fantastic actress that I'm uh, going to work with as the villain, Charlotte uh, Horton. I thought it was, she's really good. And I I, I was like, I um, she's actually working on my uh, my current project, Bionic Beauty. And then um, I was like, oh, okay, I can put her as this villain. And it just kind of works. I, I think that's what I'm enjoying so much about doing these productions is working with like actors in LA and like, finding roles for them and putting them in the right places. And it's, I don't know, it's very cool um, to just kind of like work with, there's a really immense pool of talent here. And, you know, I'm just excited to kind of give them roles that they might not necessarily have. So I'm, I'm very excited to do it. Did you have any uh, audition horror stories on this one? Like you did with the uh, the previous <laughs> one where somebody oh, came the Psycho with the gun? <laughs> not that, but let's see. I do. Uh, let's see. There was it wasn't that bad uh, as the previous ones, but I do remember I was trying to get some people for I remember one of the commercials, and I said I think it was a I, it was um it's one I'm going to actually shoot later, not during our initial shoot. I said looking for I think it was wrestlers. So I was like looking for um, actual wrestlers because uh, it's going to be a basically an '80s cocaine filled you know promo. Where they're just screaming because everyone in the 80s was screamed and yelled like and were roided out of their they were roided out of their fucking minds so i was like looking for a wrestler who can talk uh female wrestler so i get this like response. <laughs> wrestler who can talk <laughs> you would be surprised you would be surprised a lot of a lot of people have difficulty like wrestlers sometimes a lot of them have difficulty talking um and saying scripted things so i was like looking for somebody comedy be really comedic I get this response back and it's an email and, uh, and it goes, hi. And there's this whole backstory that I didn't even ask for. Like, hi, I was a bartender serving and uh, working in North Hollywood and I got laid off because of COVID. So I, I, my, my uh, a person that was in my family taught me how to wrestle. So I have a video here of my friend who's worked with me at the same bar in North Hollywood, who's gay. Here's a video of us wrestling <laughs> in oil. <laughs> And I look at the video and it's them wrestling in oil. And I'm just kind of going, okay, okay. <laughs> and then the clothes start coming off and then they both just start fucking each other. And I'm like, time out. I'm like, what? Not is that kind this? of wrestling. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I'm seeing penetration and I'm like, what in the fuck? How did it get to here? And then she's like, tells me this story. Oh, did you know I used to escort for like somebody? And like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know how we got here. I was like, I was just asking if you could act. I didn't ask who you were fucking, who famous person you were having sex with. That one was the craziest. And he's I, like, I'm gonna go wash my hands now. <laughs> I felt dirty. Yeah, you had to take a cold shower. I was like, I was like, dude, I didn't ask for it any of this i just yeah, wanted the person that strategically could snuck that in there yeah he, he's like one of those guys that really wants just what what is it called the voyeuristic or no no what is it Ex well, so i'm like doing things in public like exhibitionist. Uh, exhibitionist he's an exhibitionist, exhibitionist yeah. yeah yeah she she definitely she was like you know i have more videos i was like i think i'm good i saw <laughs> i saw everything i'm like what else can you show me does he decapitate you I've like seen what it all <laughs> Yeah, Can you regenerate your head? I don't. I don't know. Like oh it's. God. It was pretty crazy. I was like, I think I still have it somewhere in my my email box. I'm like, 
I go, what is this? It just was really, it was not what I asked for. And I remember someone, and I, I guess for me, I think the other one that was not as crazy was uh, this person I, I emailed. They kind of started tweaking when I asked them like, hey, I, and I put in the subject line, the role that they uh, submitted, uh, the character. I'm trying to be as specific as possible because I understand actors, you know, they submit for anything. And then um, I get this response like, who are you? What was this about? And I go, <laughs> I go, I go, it was, here's the part. This was the part you submitted for. Here's the, here's the, here's the URL for, that you submitted. Was this about the cult film? About the cult family? And I just kind of was like, ah, okay, I think I'm okay. It was like, it was like, it was like this creepy shit that I used to see on like Red and Stimpy or something where it's, it's like, are you with the FBI? It was just like very maybe she was a method actor, you know? Like maybe she was like hope, like thought that that was a role, and she's like, let me just give it to him right off the bat. <laughs> it was very like creepy. No, I, so I haven't had the same crazies uh, as I had in the past, but this one was a bit better. But well, so um, they were submitting audition tapes, not directly going to audition for you, right? Like the last time. We talked about your auditions. They were in a theater, but here everybody had to email them to you, right? So yeah, every, that would probably filter in a lot of crazy. Right, yeah. Yeah, everything has but to we be totally, Yeah, and we totally understand things taking a long time. Like we thought that we'd be able to record, record, record this entire time, but we haven't because then, you know, you have other real world shit to, to deal with. So things have been slowing down in some aspects and not in others. Like in the episode that dropped today that uh, will be up before this episode, um, we talk about, we well, we reviewed Ichi the Killer, uh, by the way. Oh, um, nice. What'd you think? Did you like it? Um, I, I described it as a warm cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. But um, we also uh, talk about Stefan's album dropped. Like, two weeks ago and it was like we had to reconfigure how he normally would normally it would end with him playing shows right but it was like ending with him going all right well that was it like (laughs) like because his Alan but I'm like so proud I'm like to this day like I'm so happy that he got his album out it's just you have to go through different avenues to do it like you couldn't go with the classical way so it's in some ways it's more accessible for people to be able to do that but in other ways it's also very hard for people who grew up understanding this is the way that you do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I suggest checking out that episode. I know, you know, today, so you haven't had time for it, but we also talk about, I made him congratulatory pot brownies. So yeah, she surprised me. And on he started that. eating them on the episode. So well, he's, she- <laughs> he, he's very loquacious I, on that episode. I, I love, she's I love pretty, it. You said loquacious. I love it. She, she like surprised me. He's like, close your eyes. I'm like, what? What's this all about? He's like, like, no. And I'm like, close like, your fucking eyes. What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, I got a surprise for you. And then the thing is, all day long, she was cooking and making food. So I saw her. You see that I bake Baking a lot, right? brownies. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm thinking that she's just recycling the same brownies that she made. And I'm thinking, well, what? I saw you make these. What, what's going on here? And she's like, I made you pot brownies. I'm like, no. That, at first, I was like, wait, would I'm you like, put something smell it. I was like, wait, did you put weed in this? Smell the aroma. And then I did. Aroma. I smelled it. And I was like, oh, shit. She really did. But then I was surprised because, like I said, I saw her making brownies. And there were. For, it was strange because earlier there were. she was making two separate batches. And I just thought because there wasn't a big enough pan for both. So just Batch just, one, batch two. Some for me, some for him. <laughs> yeah, just, just, no never idea. Do what, just never do what I once did and eat the, all of them all at once. He did that last night. I, well, I, yeah. <laughs> you did? 
I did. Uh, but well, to be fair, she she uh, well, it was I don't know. It was it wasn't cut up into pieces. It was just one <laughs> giant brownie, and I just ate the whole thing. It was like you imagine one batch of brownies. So like an eight a uh, uh, what is it a nine by thirteen pan of brownies? Yeah, like you yeah. know like. I ate Brownies. a little bit on the, the day before during the podcast and I finished the rest of it yesterday. But she, that, I asked her, I said, where did you get the weed from? And so she's had a few little nuggets I've been that stealing she's been nuts here and there here from and there. him. <laughs> so, <Nice>. so, <laughs> so they accumulated. My perfect, yeah. my so perfect. Give me, uh, give me. Like he wouldn't notice if I took a bunch of nugs at once, but he wouldn't yeah. notice if I took yeah. a few here but from there. To be fair yeah. again, like I don't think it was like a really heavy dude. Not to it say that they weren't dose. good. They were still good and I still felt really nice on them, but they weren't, that's why I ate the whole half of it yesterday because I like wanted to make sure ones. that I at least, I don't know, have enough. Like, they I were like microdose enough. pot brownies, basically. <laughs> I, had, I, I once had eight that was given to me by a friend and they were like, here's some brownies. They're, you know, like, or muffins, sorry. They're muffins. And I was really hungry. I didn't eat that day. So I was like, sure. And they're like, where's the muffins? They're like, I was like, oh, I ate them. I was really hungry. They're like, you dumbass. I was like, it's late. <laughs> Like you ate eight of them? I was like, yeah, I was just really starved and I wanted to eat. And she's like, he's a grumpy boy. <laughs> exactly. I I had needs and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was just like, okay. And she goes, you're going to be high as fuck. Like in just no time. So I thought I was hot shit and I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And then we were doing karaoke and it hit me like instantly. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I <laughs> couldn't see shit. I didn't like, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom. I'm in there literally for 30 minutes because I forgot how to pee. And I'm just standing over the toilet going, how do I do this? It's yeah. so easy. And yeah, I, it's bad. And I remember my my uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, um, or my, my girlfriend at the time, she, um, she normally wasn't nice and sweet. <laughs> But this night, she happened to be nice and sweet and was texting me all these wonderful things. And I'm so fucked up. I can't even look at the screen and I can't even read it and I can't text. And I think I finally, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm fucked up. I'm watching the History Channel. There's something about Nazis or something or the invasion of Normandy. I'm really fucked up right now. And she's like, oh, you shouldn't do drugs. It was I was high until the next day and I was still stoned, even a day yeah, later. It comes so. on like a tidal wave when you take too much. Oh, yeah. uh, for sure. I, I, I've done that too. Actually, I told her a story like, of the, yeah, I love, on the, uh, on that on the episode, podcast yeah. about one, you know, years ago when I had first made brownies or whatever, and we just didn't know how much to put in. So we just put in like, I don't know, a half an ounce or something of <laughs> into yeah. the brownies. And had, it was just, they were really potent. <laughs> I only had one experience with an edible and oh, yeah. like, I like turned exorcist, but what was the worst part? Cause I projectile vomited and, um, oh, and I had I to, I had to do, I had to do math in my head before I can say words. So I had to do long division and find the square root of whatever. And then I can use a word. Yeah. She was, was out weird. Of it. it was weird. But, um, what didn't help was we're big fans of, what was it Burt Kreischer? Or was it Tom Segura? It was one of them. They had, they were oh, talking. It was Rogan. Rogan. It was Rogan. <laughs> we, we were big fans of Rogan. And, uh, we were, 
we were listening to an episode where he was like talking about edibles, like yeah. we had like just previous to. It's me on his stand-up routine. It. It's on. Oh, it's, it's that's in his, what it uh, is. Oldster stand. Then why don't you tell the story? Uh, no, it's a, a couple. <laughs> I don't know. A couple stand-up uh, specials back. He did a whole thing on edibles, and then the the whole thing in the joke, he the guy's telling him, "Oh, you weren't supposed to eat the whole gummy bear, just the leg." Oh. And so, so I'm <laughs> fucking high, right? And yeah. he, out of nowhere, says, "Just the leg" as a joke. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, "Who's cutting off my legs?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kept saying it over and over again. Yeah, just and I'm like, leg. "What's wrong with you? Stop talking! How come uh, you can do math so fast?" <laughs> I, I remember. I remember. I went to Vegas with a friend, and I w- we were doing like those, you know, those like Rice crispy edibles, where yeah. they, they, they lace it. Uh, my friend, my friend is like me, and she she needs it basically to not murder people. So we're we're heading we're heading to Vegas, and I'm just taking some, not much, not like the not like the muffins, but it was enough where my brain starts. I, I look at my phone and I'm start googling lyrics. We're listening to like the Doors in the car, and I start hearing lyrics to songs I know. But I'm hearing new lyrics that don't exist only in my own fucked up head. <laughs> so like the next day, I remember the Google searches was like I was like I was like wait what? And then I was like oh I'm hearing lyrics to songs that I know, but I'm hearing new lyrics. I go my God I was fucked up. So I think uh, <laughs> any any children watching this show don't do drugs. Or, or yeah, don't. I mean, I I don't, but because I'm obviously like a lightweight, so I just don't want to. Um, but you know, it's just not just my thing. Just wait till you're 21. That's all, that's all, that's my uh, yeah I mean, PSA to the kids. That's what I tell my daughter. I'm like, look, your prefrontal cortex is still developing until you're 21 years old. Um, this is uh, it, this impacts that area of your mind. So why don't you just wait for it to be fully developed and then do what the fuck you want? See, um, that's a good so that, that's what I that's what I tell my daughter, and that's what she in turn has told her friends, which is good because now I'm like infecting other children. So it's nice. <laughs> like, like COVID. Like COVID. Like COVID, like you're infecting. Yeah, you know, like I, no, at least at least you're, at least you're approaching it right. Like I remember, uh, do you remember the Dare program? Like in school. Yes, I remember the Dare program. I wonder if that's why I don't do drugs because it's an oath and I signed my name to that. <laughs> I used to. I think, I think I remember, I remember a lot of us police, did. I remember the police officer would like bring like a big thing of drugs into the classroom. Yeah, a and, big suitcase of drugs. Yeah, and I guess for me it had the adverse reaction. Because he's like, okay, here's all these drugs. And if you take these drugs, it's going to really fuck you up. You're going to start tripping, seeing things. And it's going to take you to places that you've never been. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to take these things. When I <laughs> you got a stoner cop, I think. Because our, like, you know, L.A. cop, whatever, LAPD, was they were our dare cops and they were like very stern and very strict. And, you know, we were in a city, so they made sure to send over a black and Latino officer and nice. so they they represented. to us, you know, Diversity. <laughs> but, but they were very stern and, you know, they, they didn't engage like as well as they do now, like, cause my, my kids did a uh, dare program in their schools. Like, so it was just a little bit different, but, um, they didn't tell us that it was going to be fun or tripping or anything. They said it's going to destroy your lives inside of your body. Your brain will turn to mush, all of these things. And I'm like already freaked out all the time. I'm kind of a hypochondriac anyway. And on top of that, I do have OCD. Like, do you remember, like I wash my hands too much and my skin cracks and it almost bleeds. So like oh, yeah. I have all that anyway. So if you tell me that something, if I ingest it or if I take it, it's going to fuck yeah. me up. I'm going to be like, I don't have control. Like, see, I, I can't. See, see, I can't let go of that control. 
See, see, that's me. I have OCD when it comes to like organization and like, I, cause I alphabetize all my stuff and I keep everything in order. But I just felt like when the cop came over, the cop in our place, I mean, I grew up in like a, a Southern place. So it was more like goosey goosey. Oh, like right. More, Y'all are Florid, Floridians. I mean, I'm a Virginian. Well, I was raised in Virginia, but I lived in Florida very briefly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, when I had the D.A.R.E. program was ma- mainly, I remember it being in Massachusetts because that's where I was as a kid. Um, but yeah, Florida, I kind of remember, but at that, not really. And at that point in time, by the time I was in Florida, everybody I knew was already doing drugs. He's like, I was already high. <laughs> everyone, yeah. everyone, was, everyone was listening to the cop smoking weed while the cop's talking. Yeah, that's great. The cop probably smoked it before he got to, the cop was probably doing drugs before he showed up to the class. Like for me, I just, yeah. I felt like every cop was, I'm not saying all cops, but I had a thing against authority figures, even as a young child. So I'm like, you I don't say. Right? I think everyone's an inherent liar. So I'm like, this cop's lying to me. He doesn't do anything bad. <laughs> it's probably fun. Let me go take this. Shit, I might steal this. It's probably this from- fun. <laughs> Jesus. I should tell my kids, don't ever clean. It's too fun. Like, <laughs> totally. Well, that, that's still going to backfire. On me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I remember they gave us the dare bear. If you paid extra special attention in class, and the dare bear would like sit at your. That was like the thing we had to get was the stupid bear that they probably got at like a 99 cent store and threw a stupid bear shirt on him. So I was like, I gotta get the dare bear. I have to really work hard. And it was so. I, I feel ripped to- off because I didn't get a dare bear yeah. at all. And I did such a good job. Oh, really? I I'll, I'll, I'll see. Bear. It's probably on eBay. I'll get you a dare bear for your birthday. <laughs> Here's your dare bear. Happy birthday. Dare bear. <laughs> the dare bear now is like a care bear but he's all drugged out and everything <laughs> he smoked out of his mind his eyes yeah, are red his eyes are all red and everything <laughs> that's the dare bear i want a cracked out dare bear that's what i want with red he's eyes got, permanent red eyes he's got bumps from meth all from years and of doing scabs that. everywhere yeah that's what i want <laughs> i gotta see if i can find that i gotta make that happen <laughs> yeah that would oh, be man. awesome Oh, man. All right, so yeah. you want to, you, you know, want to talk about the movie? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Isn't that a great transition? That was a great transition. Oh, excellent transition. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you want to talk about this movie now? <laughs> so we're going to talk about this fucking movie or what? <laughs> so Stefan and I watched The Thing. Well, back up. Stefan and I were supposed to watch The Thing, and we ended up watching The Fog on Accidents because we had brain farts and the <laughs> fog there's an episode on the fog and you'll see how much we hate it it sucks i hate it it sucks <laughs> that said we finally watched the thing and we have been pausing on recording this ep- episode because we wanted to make sure buddy was in on it because yeah. he is a huge fan of the thing and john carpenter so yes. here I love we are i i worship uh well see going back to the, the fog um that was his first movie after uh halloween and i will admit not his best movie i do like the atmosphere i do like the i like the music but it i agree not his best film but yeah i i um i love john carpenter movies uh i think he one of the best filmmakers ever i i know with certain things i do i try to emulate or pay homage to things he's done and uh I think The Thing might be my personal favorite movie he's done. Um, I actually met John Carpenter once at uh, in L.A. Um, super, of course you did. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I was like, look, my thing is you got to meet your heroes. Well, you camped out in front of his house. <laughs> I can't confirm nor deny that. No, that, it, it, was, it was that... 
It was at uh, Barnes and Noble. And uh, this is, to me, a great example of why behind every great man is an even greater woman. Um, we were, we were at, <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're at the signing and uh, John is, John's cool as shit, a nice guy, but he's a bit, you know, old school. So it comes off a certain way where people might think it's surly, but it's not really. It's just how he is. Um, no, I, I somebody, think he's a little surly just by just naturally surly, right? Like you can be naturally surly and that's okay. I'm, I'm surly. You're naturally surly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I met him and then uh, I was in line and I was watching somebody else. Um, they, bring a, they bring a copy of the Fog remake uh, CD to him. <laughs> they bring it to him and they give it to him to sign. And he's just like, why are you giving me this shit? I had nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> and his wife, uh, Sandy King Carpenter is like, no, John, you were actually the executive producer of that. And he's like, I was? And he goes, I, I guess I'll sign it, sure. And she's like, yeah. He, she goes, it's fine. It, it, he forgets sometimes. Uh, she's basically the, who runs his business and his empire. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is why she's in charge, because she knows everything. And I was like, I just kind of watched and went, thank God he has his wife. Yeah, he was probably trying to forget that movie, the, the remake and the original, both. Yeah. He's like, what? He's like, what's this all about? I had nothing to do with this. No, dude, you did it like in the 80s. I don't want to mention that. But He's yeah. like, I had nothing to do with that movie. <laughs> yeah, he's like winking at her and everything, like, shut up, already. on Well, so you're a big fan of John Carpenter and you're a big fan of Tarantino. He's He is like the biggest Tarantino fan. And I found in doing some research for this movie that Tarantino took a lot of the elements of his movie of John Carpenter's The Thing and added it to his other movies. Um, Coincidentally, that's what you pointed out while we were watching it. The the Hateful Eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then there was another one. Which other one was it? Um, Reservoir Dogs as well. So there were a lot of elements that he put in both of those because he, too, is also a fan of The Thing, which is also John Carpenter's favorite film of his own. Yes. So I found that really interesting. Yeah, I mean, even in uh, The Hateful Eight, um, that whole sequence when they go to Minnie's uh, shack um, yeah. feels like the thing, you know, in this winter setting. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when, um, I forget who the character is at this point, but I remember when someone was going to an outhouse or something, you hear the Yeah, that's what Stefan was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the eerie music, yeah. They're like having to put the posts up during the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the like to get to the outhouse, and they have that same kind of like chain, like whatever you know, like that, the tethers. Yeah, the tethers that they put. It's kind of the same deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I just happened. And I saw it. I was like, oh, that definitely reminds me of uh, uh, you know the Hateful Eight, and and then obviously Kurt Russell's in it too. So. Yeah. yeah, Papa Sote, Kurt Russell, because let me tell you, Kurt <laughs> Russell in his prime, holy shit. Even Kurt Russell in Death Proof, like, yes. hello, yes, I live over here, come over. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, he's got, like, even in Death Proof, which is essentially a slasher film, instead of a knife, it's a car. Um, yeah, he's got he's got incredible swag as um, a stuntman Mike. You know, just, yeah, just the things he Mike. says. Why do you call him Stuntman Mike? Stuntman. Yeah. You know, He's and- a stuntman. Like, <laughs> like Stuntman Mike. Like, even in that one, that scene, like, even as a, that character, he's phenomenal. And, like, my first experience with Kurt Russell, I would like to think that it's Big Trouble in Little China, but realistically, oh, yeah. it probably was Overboard. 
um, mm. with Goldie Hawn. You have you seen that movie? No. When he falls, oh, well, Goldie Hawn character is like the rich lady. She falls overboard. He saved her, but she has amnesia, so he pretends she's his wife, which is totally like fucked up if you think about it. But it was a cute movie in the eighties. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that one. I think my first Kurt Russell movies. movie was uh, yeah. Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's Stallone and, and Kurt Russell. And, I don't think you've seen it. I don't think I've seen yeah. that. But I, I do know, like, Big Trouble Little China is one of my all-time favorite movies just in general. Like, I love that fucking movie. Think, think about how different that movie is because everyone went into that movie. And I think there's a reason why a lot of John Carpenter movies um, kind of, except for Halloween and Maybe They Live, I think were – no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Assault on Precinct 13, I think, made money. I think uh, Escape from New York made money. But he had a long stretch of movies that were considered financial – Failures, including the thing, which we're about to discuss. Um, but didn't they let him out of his contract? Pardon? Didn't they let him out of his contract because the movies didn't make money? Well, he was going to do that is correct because he was going to do Firestarter, uh, but the thing flopped, so they they, they hired somebody else, and because Firestarter would have been John Carpenter because he did Christine, and um, he went on to he basically after Big Trouble in Little China, which was 20th Century Fox and a big budget movie. And I think the problem with that movie was not the movie itself. I think the movie's great. Fox didn't know what they were marketing because they go in and they're thinking, oh, it's just great big action movie with Kurt Russell. And you go in, you watch it, and Kurt doesn't do shit the whole movie. And it's the Asian guy that does all the work who's the hero, which is brilliant. Yeah, I, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, like we just recently watched it too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just can't get enough of that movie. But Fantastic. it's funny that you mentioned Firestarter. Firestarter is the first horror movie I remember seeing ever. Oh, Firestarter. Yeah. And it was only because it was out on um, not even basic cable because I didn't have cable. But um, back when we were back when we were kids, um, mm-hmm. we lived in a one bedroom apartment. And it was during the time that my family was emigrating from El Salvador. And so we had a bunch of fucking people in a one bedroom apartment. And I was not allowed to watch this movie, but my aunts and uncles didn't give a shit. So we were watching on regular TV, Firestarter. And that movie stuck with me. I was Drew Barrymore. I was like, like, I was going to set things on fire with my hair because I didn't understand it yet. I was like, I'm going to set fire with my hair. And it was like, yeah. that opened the doors for me. Like Firestarter was the, like, I just loved it. I think I loved I think the reason why I'm such a huge horror fan is because at that point, it's kind of like when you're, you're, you become sexually stunted when you have some trauma around your sex, right? Oh, yeah. Around yeah. sex, you're, 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 um, when you're developing your sexuality, and mm-hmm. then that's how you lead to like these bizarre fetishes. Like I could only have sex with guitars or something, right? But um, that, that's when you link something like that. But in my, in, my, in my aspect, I think it was my love for horror movies became something that was so intertwined with family and be, feeling safe and feeling good that yeah. like at such an impressionable age, like I was Drew Barrymore and Firestarter, but my whole family had my back at that time. So I think yeah. that's why I developed this. I need to watch a horror movie to feel safe. Like, and then I do like he'll come home sometimes and I'm like watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre sleep on the couch. Like, no, I need okay. those background noise. You know. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you do, I know you haven't done it. I know you did the original. Have you, uh, have you ever seen the second one? Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah. I, have, I know it's not the popular opinion, but I love that movie. <laughs> I love the second one. It's so different. I mean, but it's Toby. That's Hooper. the one in the radio station, right? Yes. Yeah. I love that. It's one. like the best movie. And who is in Bill Mosley's in it? Like, yes. his Otis. Are you kidding me? It's fucking brilliant. Like I, I go, you know, I love that Toby Hooper took the first one and it's like, how do I follow this up? 
oh, I just make a complete black comedy out of it. But I told my friend, I said, but, watch it. It, it, follow, it's, it follows the original and it works. It's just funny. <laughs> And, and the, the thing is, both of them stand alone as their own movies. If you really took them out of there was a part one and there was a part two, they, they're standalones. You know, like you can totally just build a different like universe around it because they're just such good movies. And yeah, it's a dark comedy. And yeah. like Bill Mosley's character is like amazing. I mean, He's like, what? I love Leatherface, but that Chop Bill Top's great. character. Chop Top's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top top. Like, it's, it's like it's like he, he's his own. He, he's just so elevated as an actor in that character. It's amazing. And I follow him on Instagram, and he still does that character everywhere he goes. It's oh, yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen the second chain, uh, uh, Chainsaw Massacre movie in a while, so I don't remember mm-hmm. it at all. Really. I mean, I came home and she was watching it one time, and but I I don't remember. <laughs> I don't it's remember. Shit crazy. Ever, so. I was having a spa day watching yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. <laughs> it's relaxing, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a calming movie. It's it's I I love that movie, and uh, I mean, what other movie has a scene where you know Stretch is being you know how do I describe this? She has a chainsaw between her legs. And we're having a very sexual scene with the chainsaw. It's very sensual. Yeah, it was romantic almost. She's using her charms, basically her 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 femininity to get out of the situation, which is brilliant. It makes her like such and a hero. Yeah, <laughs> it works. Duh. He's That's sm- why we use it. Smitten. <laughs> into her. And so yeah, when you do that one, please uh, let me know because I I have a complete love for that movie. Um, Absolutely, I like I haven't even done the first one because it's just so it's my favorite horror movie is Texas it's one of the Street, best, the original, and I just haven't done it because I just feel like once I do it, then how am I going to top it? So I'm kind of saving it for when it feels good. Um, yeah, but yeah. it's like it's 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 so close to my heart. Like I have like three versions. I have one in a tin somewhere. Like just because it's. It's my movie, man. It's it's and one of the Stephen, best movies ever. Stefan is like amazing when it comes to kids. His family has a uh, Syed Leathers, and it's a um, it, they build like those motorcycle racing leathers for guys who race motorcycles, like mm-hmm. the protective gear. And so he's brilliant when it comes to putting together leather. And I'm always like, can you make me a leather face mask? And he's like, <laughs> well, like you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> he's like because he's like how can you create a structure you have to like do like a mold or something and i'm like <laughs> fine <laughs> but um don't make me happy <laughs> uh, going going back to tarantino and um carpenter super brief uh i mean there is another connection in the thing to hateful eight uh same composer Neil mccrony who recently passed away um Everyone thinks, I know a lot of people through years used to think Don Carpenter did the score for The Thing. He didn't. Ennio Morcone did the score for The Thing. But it sounds so minimal, like John Carpenter music. People always thought it was Carpenter, but it was really, you know, Ennio Morcone. Right. You know, yeah, because he's been one to do his the scores in most of his yeah. movies. And we this actually, is the first time he didn't Yeah, do I think this is the first time he did it. And the re- one reason why we know that before watching this is we have this uh, little slash cards game where, you know, it's like a horror movie trivia. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that came up recently was uh, was that like like who composed the music? Who, and yeah. like it's not John Carpenter, no. It's Andrew, <laughs> what is his name? You know, what is his name? Ennio Morcone. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like 
how the hell am I supposed to know that? And then watching the movie, you're like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to know that. Like, yeah, yeah. then there's a few things. Like, um, we actually wanted to play slash cards with you, but we completely forgot. Yeah, it's not really Um, in that. But we completely forgot. But uh, it also, one of the questions is Bonin, Bonin? Bonin, the special effects guy. Uh, Apparently that's also like, but, but it really is like, amazing special effects this yeah this this movie is fucking phenomenal when it comes to special effects like especially of the time this movie is as old as i am and it like literally it came out on the year i was born and it is um the special effects are so fucking awesome even to this day like i was watching it and i was like oh that's kind of gross and that's what you want you want to be able to even though it's it opens with like super dated special effects of this flying saucer yeah but but those like gross juicy elements they're spot on they're spot on so the the funny thing about the opening sequence that i just saw too was that that's actually a play on from the original movie which was what the thing from the the credits credits, yes the the titles are the exact same as the original that's why it's got that and i i would say i would say rob botine doesn't get enough credit um Cause I mean, in the, I feel like in the eighties, we had a wealth of like makeup, special effects, uh, artists. Like I would say probably the biggest names are probably, um, uh, Rick Baker and, um, Tom, Tom Seguini. But I, you got to put Rob Bottin in there because these effects. Yeah, Rick still, Baker. <laughs> these special always, effects, every time, go ahead. I'm sorry. I never remember Rick Baker. I, every time he's like, I'm like, who's that guy? The white name. It's a white name. And he's like. <laughs> I'm like Craig Baker. Craig Baker. <laughs> yeah, like he, I mean, I would say Rob Bottin has to have a uh, place in that conversation because I agree with you. These special effects, even rewatching it for like a millionth time, there's just so many disgusting effects that hold up to this day that just make me, just make me uneasy and wince. And I remember um, neither of you watched the prequel, right? The prequel mm-hmm. of the thing. Um, not inherently a bad movie. Uh, but they use a lot of CG, and the CG just look just looks fake, you know, compared to mm. the practical special effects of oh, you're, Carpenter. So you're saying they made a new version, but it's a prequel. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, they yeah, made a they, they, made, they made a prequel that basically told the story of the Norwegians. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. But it's kind of like once you, it's like you kind of know how it's how it's going to inevitably end. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not as good as the, it's not where near as close as the good as the original. It's not bad, but the effects just look so phony because it's CG yeah. and the effects of this one are just great. Well, another thing I was uh, seeing too, and some of the research I did was uh, we were talking about how, the, you know, not all of John Carpenter's movies made the money back and weren't all box office successes. And part of the, this one was the timing happened to be the same time as E.T., Um, so that, you know, obviously we know what ET ended up doing and that definitely, um, you know, didn't help. You got this cuddly friendly alien and then there's this, uh, you know, really kind of gory horror (laughs) version. I think somebody just knocked on the door over here. So sorry. What do we get a package? Yeah. Okay. You probably could have left it after the I know. I just, he, he knocked with such authority that I'm like, oh, shit, it's she the cops. She was like, oh, shit, it's the cops. <laughs> Run. Um, but no, I, I agree. Um, it came out the worst time. Uh, personally speaking, if you give me a choice between a cuddly, lovable alien that wants to just go home or a bloodthirsty alien that's trying to, like, kill everybody, I'm going to yeah. always go with the bloodthirsty one. And so the weird thing is, I feel like 
more people now talk more about the thing than they do ET, even though ET made sure. a shitload of money and yeah. is, you know, loved. I don't feel like it has the same conversation like the thing does. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I agree. And like, for the most part, my kids probably like, I know, I mean, that's all I can compare it to is my own children. My kids wouldn't be able to sit through ET. Like we used to do movies in the park back when the world was open. We used to do movies in the park all the time. And and they sat through the Goonies. They sat through the Sandlot. They sat through all these old school movies that I love, like even Pretty in Pink. Um, But they could not, like we had to leave after like 20 minutes of ET. They just Uh, were not, like it just does not hold up. It's just too dated really this happens a lot though if you look at a lot of uh movies that now have this you know uh cult following and that are are just known as as great movies in cinema history a lot of them didn't do great in the box office like scarface was not well received and you know you know um and you know just there's tons of them so you know i don't have it with me right now (laughs) (laughs) a lot of a lot of movies that are revered now or right. just flops at the box office because yeah. which it, it just reason. sort of also just to um you know like I'm not saying that it's well I guess what I'm trying to say is that sometimes pe- the people just fall for whatever the big hype is you know so just because something made the most money or was a huge success and when it first came out whether it be music or movies or television or whatever you know sometimes it's just people buying into the hype and it doesn't stand the test of time and you know it'll fizzle out like like you're saying E.T. is not one yes everybody knows it but really it's not as like you said as talked about as the thing or, or other movies so well then there's people like me like I love movies i'll sit here and have a movie marathon by myself and get extremely fat and no problem right but i hate going to the movie theater like i'll go to the movie theater when it's like an event like beyond fest cinematic uh void or uh secret movie club like i'll do any of those no problem i'll sit there and watch six movies in a row sure no problem there's an elotero outside you know what i mean but if you if you tell me go to movie theater just for the movie theater like except for like when they have like one-offs like they played the princess bride recently and i was you know things like that but i'm not a movie like i'm not going to go to a movie theater and and be uncomfortable like I, i'm going to sit here in my stretchy pants and watch the same movie <laughs> over and over again until I, I i i like to absorb everything and also i kind of can't hear that well even if it's a loud ass movie theater i feel like i'm going to miss something because i'm so used to always having subtitles on everything because i have this ear blowout thing that happened to me a couple of years ago <laughs> are, are you are you are you uh you, you apply subtitles to uh your movies I, and tv shows I, I do as well so yeah i i do it all the time and initially it, before my hearing started having an issue initially it was because i was like well the kids are watching tv i want them to learn to read at the same time yeah. boom put on subtitles you know and then that was very helpful and then i realized i was relying on the subtitles because my hearing was going um yeah and and that was that was also its own thing like but i i wouldn't i don't like going to the movie there i would much rather wait for a movie to be out like right now i'm fucking loving it i don't have to worry about new releases and having to miss it either sacrifice going to the movie theater and having my anxiety flare up or (laughs) or or wait a long time and wait for the movie to come out so you know that there's more there are more me's in the world i think than we give credit for yeah no i think i'm slowly like i still like going to movies uh like, you know, like going to see a Tarantino movie is always like a big event. And I kind of, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I want to go for big events. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. see Tenet, uh, the Chris, uh, or Chris Nolan movie. Um, you know, of course, Marvel. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of like being able to sit at my home, watch it at my leisure, 
pop open some subtitles, like, and just like have a good time and chill and not have to worry about like, you know, the person next to me or, you know, Oh God, I got to pee. God, I'm going to miss some parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you can just pause it, go pee, come back, you haven't missed anything. So I agree with you. It's uh, and I think um, weirdly enough, I think movies are slowly getting transitioned where basically people are going to start having that, um, that option. Like, I don't think theaters are going to be a race, obviously, but I do think, I do think this uh, pandemic has kind of shown people there is a different way to show movies and watch and watch movies. Absolutely. When it comes to subtitles, I'm a little bit on the fence with it. Like I actually don't like subtitles when I'm watching something for the first time around, because I feel like my eyes get just glued to the bottom of the screen. And I feel like I'm missing other things that are maybe subtle little things that you don't notice. So like if I've seen something, first and without subtitles then the second time around i don't mind having the subtitles there because then i'm okay with reading into every word of the dialogue but like i feel like i I just focus on the bottom of the screen more so because that's where the words are as opposed to like looking into the actor's eyes and their face and 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 the behind them or whatever i don't know so i I, it for me it just seems to be a little bit distracting i know like it helps you to understand what's being said and there are many times where i've watched movies and tv where without subtitles or I'm like, oh, I don't even know what they were talking about. There. <laughs> but I was trying to get I, I, I was get, you know, the mm-hmm. whole picture made more sense to me. And then like I'll go back and watch something again with subtitles and then maybe I'll catch the dialogue better the second time. And then, yeah, it all makes even more sense then. Mm-hmm. But I just like to visually keep my eyes focused on every part of the screen. Um, I guess, as opposed to just always having to watch the bottom of the screen to read. And I'm not I don't know, maybe also I'm not. I get, like, I know she reads super fast, so I know, like, for her, she could probably read all the subtitles and then still <laughs> look around. But for me, I'm still reading the sentence, and they're going on to the next scene or whatever, and I'm just kind of like, uh, whatever. So I, I don't mind them, but I really, I'd rather have them there the second time I'm watching it as opposed yeah. to the yeah. first time. I, I totally get that. Like, I love foreign film, but most importantly, yeah. I love foreign horror films because they're so fucked up. Like, yeah. I love it. It's they're deliciously evil. And oh, yeah. I get really fucked up because I have to turn off my regular subtitles or uh, the closed captions so that I can watch the subtitles because it's in a different language. And then suddenly I'm like, somebody switches over to English and I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, what did they just say? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can't even understand English. <laughs> I, I just finished, uh, was it uh, La Casa de Papel, uh, Money Heist? Um, and I watched it a little bit in English sub. And it's not bad. But then a friend of mine who's uh, Mexican was like, dude, like you're watching the show wrong. Just watch it all in Spanish with uh, with subtitles. I said, okay, so much better. Like the, the language <laughs> is just much more elegant. Uh, the motion's mm-hmm. more like raw. I felt like that. And I'm watching it going, what was I thinking? Like the English sub is, it's okay, but it's not as emotional. Like there's a certain elegance to... Um, the language so i try to not watch it subbed if i can uh i just try to like or i'm sorry dubbed i just try to dubbed, watch yeah. the, uh, the subtitles and watch it in its uh and you know its original language there's certain there's yeah, a certain elegance to the original sure. language. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when I was first introducing her to the movie Martyrs, uh, which is a French <gasps> movie, uh, yeah. We only were able to find it like in a dubbed version. I was like, no, 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 no. We can't watch it this <laughs> He's way. He's like, we you're gotta, not allowed. We gotta go find the original <laughs> French version before we watch the dubbed version. It does, yeah, it's one of those things. It makes it feel like a old Kung Fu movie, which is more funny and hilarious. I think it takes away from, uh, you know, just having the overdubbed voices or whatever. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So like when I watched uh, High Tension, mm-hmm. uh, I introduced him to High Tension. And it was the same thing is when we watched the dubbed version, we're like, you know, this tastes weird. You know, like it tastes like when you bite into aluminum foil, it's just not good. Um, so you have to have it kind of like in its true form in like in yeah. the movie at its most yeah. raw. Yeah. So that's the best you're going to get yeah. is. And in, in those cases when there are, you know, foreign movies and they have to have uh, subtitles because of the translation that I don't mind as much. I guess like when it's like something in English, I'd rather not have the subtitles. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's the one thing I noticed when we first started watching stuff together, she always had the subtitles on. And I was just kind of like, all right, well, <laughs> uh, it just wasn't my thing. And then I remember one time we watched a movie with no subtitles. And I was like, oh, I enjoyed that so much better. <laughs> so, didn't you? I know you what like? he's getting for Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Getting a movie without subtitles. <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. Oh, <laughs> okay, so uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. Uh, the thing. The thing. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yes, Kurt Russell. He's like the most beautiful thing in the whole world. I think. Anyway, what do you guys think? Do you guys agree with me? Oh, he's dreaming. <laughs> um, he, yeah, sure. He's so dreamy. He's I did dreamy. notice that they did a uh, like they did a kind of like a shot where they panned across and it was just nothing but his butt in the middle of the scene. Oh, you noticed that too. <laughs> Lovely. I, <laughs> Let's I, talk I was, about there that was nothing more. else. It was like, he's dead center of the screen with like the gun holster kind of like sideways and the bullets. And the, he's, it's like, all right. Kurt Russell's amazing. I would say this uh, before we begin the in-depth analysis of the thing. If, if you've never seen the movie and you are a huge dog lover and you love dogs, Go watch this movie. This isn't for you. I know. Yeah. This movie, okay. Trigger warning, dogs get fucked up in this movie. Like, not even, like, cute, like, (laughs) oh, and, oh, just Yeah, right, from the opening scene. The opening scene, like. (laughs) It gets freaked to business. So, this movie, Roger Roger Ebert described it as the most nauseating thing I've ever seen on a movie screen, which means (laughs) that we obviously were immediately drawn to it, right? Like, oh, we got to see this. It's like as close to a video nasty as we can get, right? Like yeah. it, as a John Carpenter movie. Um, but uh, it is it, it is spectacularly brutal uh, when it comes to like the animals in, uh, in the movie, like specifically yeah. the dogs. Uh, so the movie starts like this. The goodest boy ever. Like the goodest boy. Um, he was apparently, his name was Jed, apparently the dog actor. And he was half wolf and half Malamute. The most beautiful, the most goodest boy is outrunning a fucking helicopter that's shooting at it and throwing dynamite at it because that's how you get a dog. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, we don't know in the movie at this point in time what's happening. And I thought it was very strange. Why are they trying to shoot this dog down? You know, um, obviously, as the movie opens up, it starts to make a little bit more sense on why they were trying to come after the dog. But but yeah, so as a newbie viewer, you don't know what's happening. But it's People are such a beautiful a dog. dog. And it's like just it's making a mad dash, but it's so elegant in its drives. <laughs> and it's just 
it just goes across the ice like that's where it's meant to be because that's where it's meant to be that's the breed but it's yeah. just so beautiful and then this helicopter comes out of nowhere and you're like uh do you just have dynamite at that dog like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and doing? they're desperately trying to kill this dog and i remember when i first saw it uh i'm like why do you want to hurt this dog he's he's beautiful like uh little do we know <laughs> little do we know good. as as we go through the movie we find out that this dog is actually like fucked up and deserved to get burned like oh, because yeah. he wasn't really a dog right yeah yeah so we'll go through that in the movie but um well, I mean, as, as after the you see that opening scene with the dog running and the helicopter chasing, basically the dog makes it back to their their camp. Yeah. Right? So apparently and, the dog had run away from like the Norwegian camp right. in Antarctica in the Antarctic winter of 1982, and the um, the dog was running away from the Norwegian camp, which was miles and miles away, mm-hmm. um, and ran all the way across to the U.S. Um, base camp. Um, to seek refuge because he was getting chased by these Norwegians with dynamite. And uh, we, we meet people, we meet Kurt Russell and all his glory um, <laughs> and all of the other characters that are in the U S uh, base camp uh, because he runs them to seek shelter. But the, then the Norwegians land and uh, one of them accidentally blows himself and the helicopter up. Yeah. It's <laughs> like he tries to throw the dynamite, but it falls out of his hand backwards yeah, or something. So and he's like, and then, <laughs> Yeah, then he tries to go get it too in the snow. Like he's yeah. digging through the snow. Like he's gonna have enough time to pick it up and throw it away or something. <laughs> like talk about bloopers. <laughs> and then um, the the guy, um, the other guy, is like trying to shoot the dog still, but because he's shooting the dog and the dog as with the Americans, they shoot him and they kill him, not knowing what the fuck is happening. Yeah, they shoot right. him right in the face. I mean, they are just like, what's going on here? Why These is people this guy shooting they're at hovering this dog? around with a helicopter, shooting at a dog. They blow themselves up. Like, what's happening here? Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, like, we're minding our own business. These guys are out here doing some weird shit. Yeah, the so best part is Kurt mean, Russell's drinking the whole time as this is yeah, happening. Yeah. J&B. And yeah. when we actually meet Kurt Russell's character, his name is McReady, but we call him Mac in the movie. Um, when we meet him, the dog's still running uh, to the camp, and he's playing with this very seductive chess game. And <laughs> and then he accuses it of cheating because he yeah. loses. What a little prick. Yeah. He pours his drink into, he's into like, the like, like electronic board. He's like, shitty bitch. <laughs> Great. But that's the kind of man that it is. Like, they were all in a, like, t- that's the kind of man it takes to go voluntarily into a space where you're going to be in isolation, you're going to be in uncomfortable climate and, and you're going to just be there doing work and not interacting. Like the, like as we go through the movie, the guys interact like, you know, for food or whatever, but really they're all kind of just on their own because they're just yeah. the personalities that require isolation. So it takes a certain kind of person to be on yeah. the space in the first now, place. Now, one question I was just thinking of, um, having to do with the dog and him going to that camp. Now, obviously the Norwegians are chasing it because they know what the dog really is and they are trying to kill it, I'm assuming, right? But they have their own pack of dogs in that little kennel in the American camp. So did they think that this was just one of their dogs and they just put it in with the rest of them? Or did they know like, oh, this is a, a stray? Like- so what I want to say is that they probably just thought it was a stray because – 
obviously right. it wasn't one of their dogs because they had a guy that guy clark one right. of the characters he like, he's the guy that takes care of the dogs right, like right. they're sled dogs they're for trans for helping transportation or whatever and but my that, that's what i feel and my my question when it comes to the dog is so spoiler alert it's a fucking alien inside the dog but <laughs> Did the dog alien part of it know, like, is there like a homing device kind of? It's like there's people that way, or he just happened to run into them? Are there base camps everywhere? Like, what's going on? So, that was mostly my question is, did he know that they were there, or did he just happen to get lucky that there was somebody there? And if that's the case, are there just camps everywhere? Because what that means is that. Potentially, there could have been two dogs, and what's happening in one camp might also happen in another camp. Sure, I don't think there were too many camps because they couldn't get anybody on the radio for yeah. Right, and so lot. and so once they shoot that guy, right, <laughs> they try to radio yeah. for somebody, and we meet Windows, and he's named Windows because he wears Windows, he wears glasses. So you have a Mac and you have a Windows. Yeah, do they right? have Mac and Windows? Mac and Windows, back? nice. Yeah. Yeah. But what, but when did uh, but Windows Windows wasn't Windows in nineteen eighty two? Was it? Trail? They didn't <laughs> call it Windows, did they? Well, do you know when Windows I came know. out? I, I'm I was kind born. Of I, don't, <laughs> I was zero years I old. Don't rem- <laughs> I don't remember if they called it Windows back then. I don't remember. I mean, we, uh-huh. we all know that Mac and Macintosh probably was around yeah. IBM computers. But I'm wondering when did the first version of Windows now come out? Because it's almost foreshadowing the future to have a Mac and a Windows in this you know movie. <laughs> but I don't think thing. Windows was around. But someone watched the thing. We answered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were helping my mom move out of her house and Stefan was laughing because he's like, why does she have a book about Windows 95 on her coffee table? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, um, most immigrant, uh, most immigrants are hoarders in some way. My mom collects things. Yeah, I see. I noticed that. I can relate. I don't know. collected everything. I relate. I relate to that. My grandmother had everything, like almost to the point where it was a fire hazard. So... Well, my grandma did too. Like, I remember my mom bought my grandma a house in Palm Springs and we would go over there. And, and when we first moved her in, we're like, keep it clean, keep it clean, keep it clean. Cause we knew her hoarding tendencies. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like out of nowhere, there was just one room dedicated to mountains of clothes. And we're like, you can literally go sledding in this bedroom because there's all these clothes. And we're just like, yeah, it's past the point of return. Just forget it. Let's just move. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's just how it was okay so they couldn't get anybody on the radio we meet windows we meet a few of the other characters but uh specifically um because you know they have to figure out why these uh, norwegians were were uh running were chasing after this dog and why this dog was running away they had to figure they had they figured we have to go and check what's going on we have to at least tell them that their guys are dead right so mac and doc the, i just i just looked doctor, it up by the way Windows first operating system wasn't released until 1985. So this oh, wow. was three years before Windows was ever even. They a watched thing. the thing. <laughs> John Carpenter. So impactful. John Carpenter created technology as we know it. <laughs> and I think the man needs a cut of the money. Hey, yeah. man. And because we made the connection, we all should get yeah. a cut as well. <laughs> yes, we should. Yes. Just, Finders just fee. Finders fee. Yeah, yeah, we got to find your speed. Come on, John. <laughs> so Doc, who's 
the doctor and Mac, they they fly in hazardous conditions over to the Norwegians camp and it's burnt the fuck down. And it's like the dog had to run a far ways because they had to take a helicopter to find it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They were. Yeah. I mean, it was they would have known. Like, too he didn't they go were for like, a jog yeah, is what I'm saying. He yeah. Like, yeah. They obviously had to fly a helicopter to get there. So, yeah. So and, um, he, and he didn't want to do it. He was just like, <sighs> like the, the weather yeah. inclements were just too, too much. And he was hesitant to even going, you know? Right. So, but when they get there, it's burnt. It's like burned up. Yeah. Like uh, things had been burnt and charred. Everything was charred. There was still a structure there, but the structure was like crumbling and such. Mm-hmm. And as they're exploring, they, as, as we're exploring with them, as they're exploring the space, there's all of these um, things that kind of just leave you unsettled. Like there's a, uh, like it's like Jack Torrance had visit because there was an ax to a door that was just stuck into it. There was, um, you know, just there was a dead body and, and Doc yeah. starts picking up their newspaper, their, their uh, research papers and stuff because he thought maybe that'd be important. Um, but then <laughs> what they do find, they do find is at their, I guess, basement of their camp, there's this thing that they had unearthed and it looked like a huge capsule, like a tomb almost. It was just this big rectangle, yeah. kind of like a casket. And and they're like, well, whatever they dug up, right? Um, and then they're heading back and as they're leaving, they see something on the, like to the side and it's like a burnt person-ish yeah like a humanoid of sorts like it's maybe a person maybe it's not has human like characteristics but it's like gross and it has like a split face kind Mm -hmm. of thing yeah and um and and they're like well let's take it back to the camp (laughs) yeah and there's like an obscene amount of ky jelly used throughout this movie similar to alien like they just made everything look super juicy with this ky jelly Mm. Yes. Yeah, similar to Alien, though I, I was noticing this too that because we did that la- that movie with you as well. Um, it's kind of a you know a little bit of a similar setup where you've got a research team instead of a cat, they've got dogs, you know, and there's uh, kind of the typical same roles that people are sort of playing. Uh, obviously, they're not in outer space, but I don't know. I just thought of, I was putting the connection together. I was yeah. like, oh, so, this yeah. is very so close. Kind of like I told you in the Alien episode. Aliens is like Jaws in space. Yeah. Uh, the thing is like alien in the Antarctic. Yes. And and it, I mean, it's all pretty cool anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with the. No, know. there's nothing wrong with it at all. There's this, yeah. you know, some like it draws you in. Like yeah. what I like about this movie, it's not just here. Here's a story. Deal with it. It's here's the story and also this and then also this. And it just yeah. it keeps building up until it crescendos. Right. Did I just use a musical term? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> Look at me, I'm musical. Um, <laughs> but um, but it, I mean, it, it does carry throughout that suspense that you feel in Alien. Like even before anything happens with Alien, you're kind of like, shit, yes. what's around that corner? <gasps> what's happening now? Like you get the same thing here because as you're walking through that camp, that Norwegian camp, you're like, oh shit, what's around that corner? And you're kind of like finding yourself kind of like peering behind uh, behind the corners to see if what you're going to see. Um, but, um, interestingly enough, the U S camp and the Norwegian camp, they were the same camp. They just rearranged the furniture and stuff, which is really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, back at the U S camp though, the dog had been left behind and he was loose. He wasn't in a kennel or anything, but 
they do show this scene where he's creeping down the hallway and the song superstitious is playing in the background. And um, all throughout the movie, when I was taking my notes for the movie, I kept writing, not superstitious, but suspicious, suspicious, suspicious. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's like a really good job inserting that song there because it kind of like puts that little bit in your head and you're like, oh my God, like, oh my God. Because you do figure like, either this is going to be super paranormal or this is going to be alien or this is going to be this or the, like sci-fi or whatever it's going to be. But you're kind of like superstitious. Hmm. And then like the analytical part of you goes, did they create bad luck somehow? Like what did they bring on themselves? And you yeah. know, it, it, I, I thought it was a pretty cool thing. It's a very creepy, it's a very creepy scene. Cause he just walks in the, it walks in the room and you just see the silhouette of the guy and he's, you're like, what is this dog going to do? And it just fades to black. So you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, what did they bring yeah. back into this camp? Yeah. You're like, did that dog sexually assault and Clark? And the silhouette <laughs> is not, it's, you can't really make out who is the person from the silhouette. Like, there's no characteristics that, yeah. you know, say, oh, well, that was Kurt Russell or that was the doctor or that was, But it was a know. big guy. So I guess you tend to believe that it's the big guy that was play- with that was taking care of the dog in the first place. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's how I saw it yeah. anyway. Well, again, I, I just um, I did a quick dive on on tidbits and facts just to like you know see get a couple other things in my head about the movie. And John Carpenter specifically used a different person than any of the actors, so that way not to give off the silhouette of any of the actors. Oh, oh that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because I immediately saw. Oh, it's a pretty beefy guy. Yeah. And the beefiest guy there is Clark, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I mean, that was just one of the well, things that I You know what else he did? He didn't tell anybody who was infected throughout the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. they knew their script, but he didn't know who yeah. was infected. Like, so the cast didn't know who they were supposed to be portraying as right. whether or not they had it. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good that they did that because at some point I was even thinking, well, do they even know when they're infected because of the way they play the character? Right, yeah. Yeah. Like, because... Uh, later on in the scenes, you're you you're they're trying to figure out who has it, and they're like all like, oh my god, do I have it? Do I have it? And and so it makes me think that they don't know they have it. It's probably laying dormant. Right. Sure. Like syphilis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are part of the techniques and stuff that I think that make John Carpenter a good director. It's the like the well thought out. Um, you know. He thought it all out really thoroughly and yeah. executed it nicely. So yeah, absolutely. There, there are a lot of movies that I want that we watch together, and I'm like, mm, "There's a plot hole right here. Check this out. Check this out. Check yeah. this out." And then, or I'm like, or I'm like, "This doesn't make sense. How did they not catch that? Or or why is this like this?" And so, in mostly except for the stupid fog, uh, John Carpenter <laughs> films like I don't pick apart. I'm like, oh, I can enjoy this. I don't have to worry about. Ugh, they fucked it up and that's all I'm going to be thinking about. Yeah, he. I think yeah. this movie is probably the best, in my personal opinion, the best like uh, um, expression of paranoia in a movie ever. Like I have yeah. never been more paranoid watching anything than this movie. And I think it kind of plays, it's kind of appropriate and it plays very well considering our current climate that we're in mm-hmm. where no one trusts anyone. And, right. you know, even themselves almost they're worried you know am i infected and you know when you can't even trust yourself that's terrifying and let alone like these people that are supposed to be you know your colleagues or whatever and everyone's hostile towards each other and everyone doesn't trust the other person i think this movie is the best like adaptation representation of that of that fear uh and it only builds and builds throughout the movie you know and 
you know, even when they get back to the camp uh, with the body, uh, I love the scene when they reveal the body. And I really do think it's a genuine reaction because like the body's smoking still, like there's mm-hmm. still smoke, you know, billowing from the body and everyone looks like they're about to vomit. <laughs> everyone looks yeah, like they're about absolutely. to absolutely. Like I could totally understand why Roger even called it a barf bag movie. Like you, it's, it, it's, it is it's sickening, disgusting. especially at that time, like at that time you, 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 you're not used to these kind of special effects. Like, yeah, yeah, E.T. was gross and ugly, but that was probably accidental because it's supposed to be an alien. But I always found E.T. to be gross. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, with his phallic fingers trying to point at you. You're like, get that thing away from me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with that finger? Like, no way. Don't bring that over here. I don't know. I don't know where that's been. But it um, glows. It but glows. it glows. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> It did in the eighties. Anything that glowed in the eighties was full. Really, tell me more. I don't know. Night, night bright, right? Magical colored lights. What? One minute. The eighties were fucked up. I'm surprised any of us survived. On to be honest, I was telling Zephin that we used to be left alone all the time, and I used to bake because I've been baking a lot during quarantine, and I've been making a lot of meals. I'm like, I'm fancying myself a chef right now. Um, oh, nice. But unless I'm, oh, I forgot to defrost something for dinner, by the way. Anyway, we're having pizza tonight. This, um, is, her, <laughs> this is just a, a byproduct of her watching the the, the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> Too I many episodes. I love out. that show so hard. Like the Great British Baking Show. It is the cutest thing. Like I cry at the end of the series of, of each season. Like it's awesome. <laughs> anyway, what was I even saying? Something um, about something. Well, we were talking uh, about, about the, the uh, reaction to the smoke and the smell and well, everything. You know oh, what? you were about to tell an Easy Bake Oven story, I think. I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, we almost burned our house down because we used to make like little sandwiches, but like with a cracker, a piece mm-hmm. of bologna and cheese. And we would open the oven, turn the oven on. Never close it, but just cook it like directly on the oven uh, racks, and that's mm-hmm. how we would make food. We also had two burned forks at every time, to- at any point in time, because we used to put forks on hot dogs and cook them over the stove, and that would be our lunch because we'd be left alone when we were so young. And uh, one time, we like literally almost died because we, my brother and I, baked a box cake, and mm-hmm. um, the we turned on the oven, but the pilot light was out. And the cake was cooking for hours. And we're like, it's not done yet, but we're stupid. We're like eight years old. Like, how are we supposed to know? We're not supposed to be left alone at that age. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So anyway, and that's how I got brain damage. Your house is going to look like the Norwegian camp. Yeah, definitely. So the Norwegian camp, that's where they found that body. They brought it back. That's the body that they unveiled and was smoking. And then Blair... Had to be had to autopsy, and Blair is, I guess, the other doctor. Um, now, this is an all male cast, and I read that there was supposed to be a female, but she ended up knocked up, you know, because kids ruin your careers. And, <laughs> and <laughs> but was Blair supposed to be this character, like the woman supposed to be this character? Because Blair, I only ever know Blair. Like I have a friend Blair now, but like the only other Blair I know, I knew was from the Facts of Life. Yeah, right, that's that what I was gonna say. Shit. I know that Blair from the Facts of Life, but I don't know any yeah. other Blairs. Blair's uh, the blonde, right? Y- yeah, yeah, she was the like blonde. I yeah, that's true. I, Blair is typically a female name, I would assume, right? So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's was that the female character? Maybe I know that one. I don't know. I maybe I just know when I look at Wilfred Brimley 
I'm watching this, I go, Wilfred, it's just weird to see him in this kind of a role. And I think he was like, I mean, I always know him as, you know, diabetes, but um, in the diabetes commercials, but I think he was only like, he was almost like 50 here. And I'm like, you know, no offense to him, but I was like, dude, you look, he looks old. He looks old here, you know? So I'm like, this guy's been like old my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he's looked professionally old as long as I've lived. I was like, that's quite a talent. And I mean, it was just, I I read an article like um, growing up, I think, I think he's warmed up to the thing now, but there was like, there was an old sci-fi magazine called Starlog uh, when I grew up. Um, and they would review like sci-fi film or sci-fi film TV, whatever. And I remember they interviewed Wilford Brimley and he said, you know, I think the thing stinks. And I think his opinion changed over time as it became more of a cult uh, phenomenon. And he started to realize, oh wait, this is what maybe what Don Carpenter was trying to do. Um, but yeah, like it's very interesting that Wilford Brimley, who's kind of like I grew up as everyone's, you know, he's the lovable grandpa figure. He's pretty fucking malevolent here in this movie. Yeah, he's fucking fucked up. And I love it because it's so rational. You yeah. know, his fuck ups are so rational. It's like, well, looks like I got to take out the helicopter. I got to take out the tractor. I got to kill the dogs. I got to, you know, uh, take all the uh, uh, ruin all of the blood like i gotta do all of this because we cannot let this escape yeah. and we're done for like it was so rational it was like so rational as him shooting at the black character just with the for no reason was so well, rational. he was gonna kill everybody anyway I know, was, that yeah. was rational it was like oh you walk right into it like great saves me a trip. you know <laughs> that's not even about race it's like convenient like <laughs> um so the reason that we that I mentioned that the the dog okay so the dog um, is watching the autopsy mm-hmm. and when they open up the autop like they open up that creature during the autopsy they see that there's human elements in there but it's not completely human and so there's a scientist there's uh, a, I guess two doctors they're all scientists of some sort it's not like somebody's there like the contractor except for the one guy who's the cook right? except for the one guy that's the cook there's a one guy that carries a flamethrower. And then there's um, my, my, boy, my boy, child, Chief fucking David, child's my favorite man. character in this movie. I know everyone loves McCready, but I'm a child's fan. I love McCready too, but damn it, I love Keith David. But he's pretty good. He is pretty good in this character, in the, as this character, because he's like very like matter of fact, and he's like even when at one point where McCready's like, "I'll kill you," he's like, "Fucking do it." Yeah, he's a badass. I love the dynamic between him and McCready. They're both kind of like these very quiet, but, you know, firm characters, kind of like a Western character, very kind of strong, silent. Yeah, there are two John Waynes, like really two John Waynes um, with the same moral compass, the same desire to do good, the same want to survive. Um, however, what do you do when you put John Wayne against John Wayne? Yeah, you get you right. just get you get epic shit, and that's what you get a you lot get of. The thing. <laughs> you get the thing. It's I amazing. was wondering. Um, we were talking about the Tarantino, um, in, uh, or the influence on Tarantino. Do you think that the Once Upon a Time in, well, not Once Upon a Time, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the flame flamethrower? Do you think that was oh. maybe taken oh. from this movie maybe. as well? You too? know what? Yeah. I I never thought about it, but I could totally see that. Like, especially that they build towards it. Uh, sorry, people, you haven't seen the movie. Fuck it, you should see this movie. 
at the end. That's that's one of my favorite scenes, and I could totally see him being inspired by by this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I you know I I haven't seen the thing. Well, we watched this. We watched it again today um, mm-hmm. to just recap. But we had watched it um, a couple of a, months ago. Yeah, <laughs> not for the podcast. Just watching it, whatever. And and uh, but I hadn't seen it prior to that. So when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I didn't know Make any of this. Yeah, that's why when I yeah. saw this today again, I was like, oh, well, that reminds me of Hateful Eight with them mm-hmm. trying to go to the outhouse scene or whatever. But that's what I'm thinking now too. Like, hey, that flamethrower looked very oddly familiar to the same type of flamethrower yeah. in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I can see uh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's, that's where you got it from. Yeah. Um, so throughout the... So when they finished the autopsy, they're like, uh, why is that dog here, right? So <laughs> Clark has to put the dog away and he puts it in the kennel with the other sled dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we all have had dogs at some point in our lives. So you bring a dog into a space where there's lots of other dogs. It's like a fucking disaster. It's a shit show. Shit's going to go down. We all want to smell all the yeah. butts, you know, like everything. But in this case, all the dogs stayed laying down stayed pretending to be asleep and just did not move they were terrified they were so such good boys they're so well trained oh my god those are such amazing dogs yeah right but they they were so well trained they just and they just stayed and then they started barking when shit started happening and what what was the shit that was happening this fucking alien alien creature starts emerging from the inside of this um of this dog this poor this poor good boy yeah. and and it was like it's cracking and there's limbs coming out of it and well, the face splits open and the face yeah, splits split open, open. Yeah. and and the other dogs oh my god there's this one dog that just holds my heart like he was trying to bite uh, out of the he's the, the biting out ball. of it he's biting onto the fence and you're like i want to take you home and love you forever <laughs> and then the stupid monster Dog. Alien dog sprays slime on him, and I'm like, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah, the poor Dude, dog actor must have heart. been like, "What's going on?" He's they like, shot me shit? with some goo. That dog like, was like, "You dog... got me in the face." <laughs> <laughs> that dog's like, "Fuck this! I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm gonna bite this fucking fence down, and I'm gonna get the fuck out yeah. of here." I, it that was is terrifying. like the best. That is, oh my god, that that is such a resourceful dog. And but then it like. He gets shot and he's like freaks out. He's like, "That wasn't in my writer," and he's like, "Never see him again." Yeah, like, <laughs> I asked I for kills and bits. Shit. I got shot with Shelly instead. I got shot with Ky. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you, you hear all um, the dogs are barking. The dogs are barking. Clark comes running and he goes to try to help the dogs. And he's like, "Oh shit!" Because one of the dogs does run away. He he gets out. And he's like, oh, shit, he sees this transforming fucking thing and comes out. Um, and, and I'm sorry, he closes the door and locks the thing in. And yeah. And then uh, Kurt Russell's character. So I'm just going to call him Kurt Russell. Uh, <laughs> and Kurt Russell, <laughs> Kurt Russell hears it, hears something happening. And he's like, oh, shit, pulls the fire alarm smartly, like mm-hmm. smart, like good job and runs in there. And then he's and then he assesses the situation and he calls yep. for child. He's yeah, like, he's get me get the, the fucking flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> so now Clark is so upset because he loves these dogs, and you can really see how much he loves these dogs. And it's really such a beautiful relationship. And um, Childs gets in there and he burns the fuck up he, out of he, that fucking thing. I I do love before he does it. He's so like 
in like shock about what's going on. He just kind of stares and it's like, yeah. And then McCready has to go, child, like snap out of it, like burn yeah. it. him. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, because I mean, how it's very. Well, how would you react? Yeah, you would freak the fuck out in that situation because you couldn't Absolutely. believe what you're seeing. You know, so it's very, Absolutely. it's very realistic reaction yeah. yeah and and i i do feel that childs is the kind of character that has seen some shit in his lifetime yes. and now he's he looking at something else shit. and he's like what the <laughs> fuck am i looking at like, what did i sign up with all these white people for <laughs> exactly he's like shit i should have just stayed home where it's safe maybe i'll just walk over to the norwegian camp it's safer there bye yeah, so was, as, the, as the flames and the smoke clears um everybody's scared and confused and and rightfully fucking so but i'm still mourning the death of you know the dog because i love that dog is just so beautiful um so blair the dude girl starts <laughs> um another autopsy right and as he's um and then they open it up and there's like a whole head inside there's like something else was forming so that's when they kind of draw the line of well, they they kind of have to like absorb who you are, and then they can then imitate you perfectly. And that's when they decide, oh shit, we got to move these things. They're fucking dangerous. And and they start. And because McCready had seen um, everything burned up before, he's like, let's burn these fuckers, yes. right? So yeah. my question, I got a question though. So now, are the is there more than one uh, mutating alien creature? Are they like if they're the dog that was running from the Norwegians in the beginning, that was the dog that just transformed, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but is, if they killed that dog or burnt him, whatever, but there's still an alien that's, you know, so, so is it jumping from one character to the next before? So it's not what? like, what is what is that movie with Denzel Washington where you have to touch? It's not that. Yeah, um, no, but so I forgot it, what it was. It was- Fallen, no, I don't know. Um, but I think you're right in that it wasn't Clark because we find out later that Clark was never infected. So the next person to kind of come out of it, I think is Bennings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it must have infected Bennings before getting put in the kennel. That's what you, okay. Yeah. So but, I, but if, so ultimately if this alien is able to infect another person, are they multiplying? Are they trying to, I, I think you that's know, the design. Race, it's like going on? I think that's the design. It's like you have a concentrate and then you slowly dilute it into different organisms. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have a master and then you just, you know, one for you, one for you, one for you, and it, it this becomes smaller, but it becomes bigger as far as spread out. Yeah. I think that's I think that's how it works. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about you know, I know all it. science things yeah. of all science. <laughs> <laughs> I have determined that this is the way that it worked. <laughs> This is the science um, of the thing. It's the science of the thing, right? That's how it works. Yeah, gotcha. I, <laughs> I trust trust you. <laughs> I don't think you could. <laughs> All right. So where was I? Um, okay. So then Clark is questioned about the dog. He's like, uh, Doc is questioning him. And he's like, how long were you with the dog? Because now Doc is like, well, you must have gotten infected. Like you yeah. must have, you know, you spent the most time with the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now he's being, uh, that's when Doc starts being suspicious about everybody. Um, then as a, as a group, everybody starts reviewing the Norwegian video that they found at the base. And mm-hmm. that's when they see that they had found something else. They had found a fucking spaceship 
not even a spaceship, a flying saucer. Yeah, a giant spaceship. A giant flying too. saucer. And that thing that they have found in the base, that, that, that big coffin thing, was removed from that. So what I would think of it being would be a flying saucer came, crashed in the Antarctic, and the escape pod also, like, went because they were crashing, the escape pod came out and landed nearby, and that's how those things happened to be together. That's how I would read it, but, yeah. you know science okay trajectories and acute angles yeah well they'd, they'd probably at that point in time don't even know how big the spaceship is because they're only seeing the video footage and then later on they go and find the the actual ship like in that crater right. or whatever but this is where a child goes i just can't believe any of this voodoo bullshit, bullshit. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love i love that line where he just goes blair you believe this voodoo bullshit yeah. <laughs> it's the way he, it's the way like Keith David says the line, and I'm just like, it's just one of my favorite characters. Like, but then Palmer, he's character. like, Palmer's the guy that's always lighting up, right? He's like, yeah, I believe it. They own all of South America. They oh, taught right. the yeah. Incas everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's he's the whole uh, yeah. aliens have been here before conspiracy theorist. So now Blair. Blair's doing all the research and in his findings, we find, we, we see his findings. We see that there's a 70%, 75% chance that someone else is already infected. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there is 27,000 hours until the whole world is infected. Yeah. So that's when you're like, Oh shit. There's a time clock. You got to get shit done. You got to do it now. Like yeah. whatever you're going to do, do it. That was like their 1982 version of Google or Siri because he was just like waiting for this computers to well, give it was, it was definitely 8 bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like it, it was like osmosis yeah the diagram with a little tiny they like imitating uh, cell back then those were cutting edge graphics yeah those were exactly. cutting edge graphics like let me tell you but that said I took my kids to the museum, the Gene Autry Museum, which we call the Cowboy Museum, and they have Oregon Trail there where you can play. And it took me a long time to get the kids out of that exhibit because they really dug it. Like it was it's yeah. still engaging to this well, day. That's, that, that was the best thing we had growing up. It was like, I remember when it was like, we have to play Oregon Trail. And I would just sit there going, oh my God, I, I have to kill this buffalo. Like, give me a second. Oh, I died of dysentery. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I always died of dysentery in Oregon Trail. I mean, I think everybody did. <laughs> I don't know if anybody all. was beat it. <laughs> We all died of dysentery at one point or another. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. In my days, I feel like me or at least somebody I knew might have at least gotten to a very com complete end I state wish of, that I thing had Oregon Trail on it. I don't remember it now, but I, I do remember. Um, I don't know. Maybe, possibly. Again, maybe my brain's just making up shit, but I feel like Hey, I make up entire movies. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work together on the movie together at some right, point, okay? Because I all make right. things up like... Sometimes I'm talking to him and I'm like, you remember the thing? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Let's put both my ideas. Let's have a meeting. Let's book a meeting. Um, okay. uh, so as they, um, they, they're starting to move um, all of these different uh, specimens into the storage room. And here comes the essential John Carpenter scene. Right. Yeah. This is the one where I said this reminds me mostly of his previous movies where it's right after the autopsy or whatever. You've got the cadaver sitting on a table. They think he's dead, 
but he's not. And he starts <laughs> to come back to life. He did the same thing in the fog, which was very reminiscent of Michael Myers or something with the legs coming down and standing oh, yeah. up and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one, it's that you see the uh, the tentacle or whatever. Come <laughs> down the, it's just the way it falls is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but he, uh, we, I'm watching tentacles like this morning when we were rewatching it. But the last episode we recorded, we talked about tentacle porn. And so now it's like this whole different meaning to me. And I'm like, this is really disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's so grotesque. And they're just talking and it fucking props up legs. Well, yeah. And so Benning's uh, is like, has his back turned because that's the part of the scene. It's, you know, the back's turned. You don't notice something that's supposed to be dead is moving. Um, and He's um, doing stuff, like putting stuff away. And then suddenly he's like captured. And then Windows, who was there with him, had been sent out to get keys and came back. And he looks and he finds him being absorbed by this yeah, creature. He's again strangled by the, the tentacles. Yeah. And so he, uh, Windows then turns and runs for help. And when everybody comes back, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they, he's not actually gone. He's just like not there. He's there. They see, <laughs> yeah, they see him, somebody run across real and he's like running outside. He's running in the snow. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, but he's like mid transformation. So mm-hmm. it's like his hands are still claws. You know, they were like so gross. And so they light him up. Yeah, they kill the- him the fuck up. And and um, then, then they are like, shit, we got to do something about it. And they get all the specimens out. And they burn them, even though just previously they're like, "This is somebody's Nobel Peace Nobel Peace Prize. We're not going to burn these." Now they're like, "We got to burn these." Yeah, yeah, survival, you know. But now Blair is missing. Right, because this yeah. is after the. Didn't he go cuckoo already? This is after he. This started is when he's going. Started uh, shooting everybody. And this everything. is when he's going cuckoo because they're they're done burning everything up, and then um, Mac sees somebody running from the helicopter and into the fort the base and um he goes to the helicopter and sees somebody has sabotaged the helicopter and he goes inside because and then there's a commotion and it is blair and he is uh destroying all the computers Mm -hmm. he had already so this is part where he's gone berserker mode he destroyed all the computers he destroyed all the modes of transportation he killed all of the dogs and we even see a dog with it a, yeah. a hatchet or oh. an axe to his neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he also destroyed all the blood. Right. Which is yeah, what I'm assuming, the... but you know, they don't exactly go out and say it. But um, like I'm talking about like the blood storage. Stored, for, like, yeah, in the uh, freezer box, whatever. It was. And he continue and he and he yells, um, nobody is getting out of here. And I'm like, oh, okay, well that's very rational of him. <laughs> and that's the rationality. However, they start they um, overtake Blair. And then they seclude him into a into they, yeah, like a shed off shack. in the distance. Yeah. 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 And then um and he's saying, I don't know who to trust. And that's when you're like, Well, yeah, no shit. Like anybody can be vicious. Like yeah. nobody knows, you know, like this right now, anybody can have COVID. Like yeah. we can have COVID and not know it. You know, that's why exactly. you fucking protect yourself. Right. Right. But Wear um, a mask. so yeah, and so he tells him. Um, he tells him, watch Clark and watch him close. And that's where yeah. all the suspicious, um, all the suspiciousness comes in. Mm-hmm. Poor Clark. 
<laughs> poor Clark. This guy has the worst luck in this entire movie. Yeah. He's being suspected. He's just like his dog lover. I just, I just came here for the dogs and the snow. <laughs> like, like snowmen. I like dogs. I like huskies. Like. <laughs> um, poor Clark. But this is where everybody starts getting suspicious of each other because they saw that it was overtaking Bennings and had he completed his transformation, nobody would have been the wiser. Right, yeah. At this point in time, do they find that shredded up jacket that has McCready's name on it too? Um, Almost. So this is the point where... um, Because even, you know, sometimes they tell a story and us as the audience, we know... Maybe what's happening and the, the people in the movie yeah. don't. But at this point in time, I don't think anybody really has any clue. Which is what I love. Who? Yeah. Like, like, we don't know. Like, we're not in on it. Right. Exactly. And we're also finding out with the characters of the movie, which is great because all so often we're like, well, it's that guy. Like, yeah. look, these are the reasons. Right. Um, so we find out that the rescue, the rescuer, the, the rescue unit is coming in the spring, but they have to find out who's human or not before because they don't want to spread the infection right yep. um so blair not blair Talk not travis his name's not travis don't start with the t not child right i'm so bad at names i don't know not child the um the one who smokes pot some other time. doctor no some other doctor uh oh the one with the glasses yeah what's his name uh f- f- it's fox. Big, yeah fox fuchs <laughs> fox. whatever his name is yeah fuchs f-u-c-h right yeah, yeah fuchs. fuchs is the other doctor and um he like has a blood test that they can do. He's trying to develop a blood test that they can do. And then um, Kurt Russell goes in there to check on him and then the lights go out. And that's where nobody knows what's happening with anybody because nobody can see shit. Mm-hmm. And then he goes outside because he, I guess, hears something outside. And that's when he finds McCready's torn shirt. Mm-hmm. And this is okay. after we've already heard the um, monologue of Kurt Russell talking into the recorder, recorder. saying, yeah. I think it rips through your shirt. Right. Yeah. 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 So they decide on the serum test. The blood is destroyed, whatever, all of that stuff. So that's when we figure out somebody else is infected. Like somebody else is here. In all the commotion that happens throughout the movie, there's a new leader now. Instead of it being the leader, what's his name? The old guy? Yeah. Well, um, again, I'm terrible with names, but he's the one that looks sort of like the general or the... I don't know, right? He's kind of wearing a yeah. So he's like the one in charge is no longer the one in charge. He's the guy who shot the guy in the head. In the beginning of the movie, yeah. Region, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, hands over the reins to Mac. Yeah, Mac, ready. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> DJ Mac, ready in the house. <laughs> so what does Mac decide to do? He decides to have that one guy create a serum. He has uh, Doc Clark and Fuchs and everybody there like his good guys. Everybody else gets tied up. Um, but then, uh, they try to go and, and they're now at this point. So McCready had, I'm sorry, Fuchs has already gone out, but now he's missing and they're like, what the fuck now? And so what's that guy's name? Knowles? Knowles. Knowles. And, uh, McCready are like, um, I got to go to my shack because last time I remember it, I turned my light off. And so <laughs> they're, they're going into a blizzard essentially to go check out what's there. We don't know what happens. Yeah. All we know is that later on, there's a there's um, only one of them coming back, and it's Nalls, and he's saying, "I had to cut the line because I found a shredded up, a, his shredded up jacket, and I just cut the line and booked it." Yeah. And um, and then we find then we see uh, Mac, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Right? <laughs> and they won't let him in because they think he's infected, and right. so they. 
he ends up breaking in through a window and there's this huge standoff and and uh, that's mm-hmm. when child has a flamethrower pointed at him and and Mac has dynamite. Yeah. Yes. He's going to kill them all. <laughs> you know, but Nalls had one great line earlier on in the movie, but we, we kind of skipped over that part. But he's like, which one of y'all leaving dirty drawers in my kitchen? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great line. Um. So after that, there, um, so in all that kerfuffle of the standoff, um, Norris is a guy that we didn't even think about. Then that's, he's the character where the guy was acting really normal and he himself didn't know he was infected, but turns out he's infected because he starts like just seizing up a little bit and he, um, he can't breathe. And so they take him, you know, they call medic, they, whatever. And um, oh. when they're trying to defibrillate him. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. This his is fucking this is a legendary thing. opens up. Yeah. Like yeah, a it's, fucking it's shark's great. mouth. So yeah. Like, so the paddles go right through into the hole <laughs> and in the his mouth arms and get cut off. Right off. Yeah, he's just got the little stumps he's waving around. Oh my god. I thought that was probably my favorite scene in the movie. Well, I remember they used a double amputee for that scene really? to make it so realistic. I mean, oh. again, we're talking about the special effects at that time and everything. Like that was again, that was, that was really one scene. of my favorites. Oh my god, but it's like they, oh, it opens up and it's yeah. like there's this void in this darkness and you're like oh my god his hands just go right down <laughs> and, into and the middle right, and then <laughs> it's like when you miss the, that, that last step you yeah. think there's an extra step when you're going downstairs and you're like oh shit and that's yeah. what it felt yes. like that was a great scene oh, yeah that scene. was that was definitely so grotesque <laughs> but okay so that is transforming and they're trying to kill it but at this one time the head's the head comes off of the rest of the body and because the rest of the body was being burned, but the head comes off and it gets, it hides. And then the head sprouts these crab like legs or spider like oh, right. legs. Yeah, yeah. And it hides. <laughs> and fucking antennas. Yeah. That also, and I don't know, um, from like it came out very fast and very natural, and it didn't look like it was like a sped up. Because uh, I feel like there was fog or something or smoke in the background. But like, you know, from like a editor's standpoint, like sometimes you just speed up the film to make it look like it's going faster. It didn't yeah. look like they did that. So this stuff came out at a very fast and natural um, like pace. And it I looked was, organic. Yeah, it looked real. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that was pretty cool. It was just like the legs sprouted out and the little antennas come out the back. And then he's like crawling off. <laughs> it's upside down. It's so <laughs> gross. I, the best and, part is I love the reaction they saw it and they're like yeah and Palmer's like he's like he does a slow like (laughs) (laughs) this little real slow like turn that he does like what (laughs) (laughs) because all you hear is the pitter patter of little crab feet running around in this situation if you saw that after dealing with all that craziness wouldn't you you gotta laugh you gotta be like you gotta be fucking kidding me really you gotta do some more It, it, but it, it was it was really cool. Yeah. Um, but then after all that, everybody's like, uh, uh, Mac is like, fuck that. Everybody's getting tied up. I'm the one with the dynamite. <laughs> everybody's getting tied up. So he ties everybody up. And he, and the head creature apparently has gave him an idea of how to do the blood test because he figured, okay, so that one part, it's one part of a whole, right? And so he draws blood from everybody and he gets like a hot poker and sticks it in the blood to see if it reacts. And at some point it does react. Mm-hmm. And oh, who yeah. ends up being the, the fucking guy? Pa- pa- Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Palmer. Not before he shoots 
Clark, by the way, trying I to know. subdue. Just, that's I, what I'm saying. Poor Clark. Poor Clark. Poor he got the raw end. Like, he gets shot. He doesn't have to go through anything else, but he gets shot, and it turns out he wasn't even infected. Yeah. So Childs is like, mm-hmm. yeah, it must make you a murderer, right? Because <laughs> he just like, <laughs> he's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's like this amazing scene when Palmer, uh, when Palmer uh, gets, he's already infected, but when it reacts to the hot poker, to the blood, um, He's like turning into this big grossness thing, and everybody's yeah. child and and Norris or or whoever the other guy was, and he's just yelling. He's like, "Get me the fuck out of here!" Because he's like this he's like bubbling and, and like forming, and they're like yeah. his eyes are popping out, and they're like, "Get us out of here!" Because it's like yeah. they're they're next, they're right by him, and they're like, you know, it's it's that's that fear, and it's just it's it's so it's so insane, and I feel bad for uh, poor Windows. <laughs> As yeah. Oh my windows. gosh. So oh, right. Windows gets like, gets like munched on, munched on which yeah. then means he get, was going to get infected. So they blowtorch him too, and it or they flamethrow him too, and then <laughs> it, like things calm down. We find out Child is okay, which is a great moment, by the way. And he's like, I wonder if that, if "Let's that, do it!" Like that was yeah. beautiful. That was that was John Carpenter also foreshadowing the cr- windows crashing and, <laughs> <laughs> and all the bugs. <laughs> And all, <laughs> it's like Mac is more better. <laughs> and I realize I said more better. I did that intentionally, just in case anybody in the podcast world thinks I'm a dummy or I've drank too much. I said that intentionally. It's just edibles, I swear. Okay. <laughs> um, shoot, what was I even going to say? Oh, okay. So, child is totally cool, and so is that other military-looking guy, the leader, whatever. Yeah. So bad that on it. There is like a great too. cast of characters. You're all well-known characters. Me, um, we'll so it's kind of sad that we don't remember them. We'll get his um, name right now. Hold on. Just keep going. But um, after after that, they go and they try to um, find Blair because they're going to test Blair. And they go out to the shed and they don't find him there. He's gone. He has escaped somehow. But as they're exploring the shed, they go down. They, they feel like there's a false floor. And they see that he has been building some like spacecraft or some kind of mode of transportation and when they when they do that they're like holy fuck this guy's been super busy because he used tractor pieces he used helicopter pieces he was doing something all right and um i think that character's name is just gary gary Gary, yeah Yeah, that's yeah okay so um so gary uh knolls is it gary knolls and um and mac are at the shed trying to find blair he's missing Mm-hmm. Um, child is back at the main base and they um, they out of the window when they're heading back out of the window of the shed they see Childs running to the generator room and then all the lights turning off and right. they're like shit all of like uh, all the heat's going to be gone it's going to be negative 100 degrees in X amount of hours and Max like that's exactly what they what he wants the creature wants to to be dormant and sleep in the ice mm-hmm. so that it can infect the team that's coming in the spring. Then Max says something that carries out the rest of the movie. He says, we're not getting out of here alive and neither is that thing. Mm-hmm. That thing, they used it, the movie title yep. in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they have a plan of attack. They're going to blow everything the fuck up. Like, to mm-hmm. fuck uh, like everything that can be possibly alive in this space. And so they, they go and they go to set off charges. They, they, they 
toss dynamite into some of the rooms and then yes. they go into the basement room, which seems counterintuitive to me. Like, wouldn't you go for the base first? Because if you go downstairs, everything will collapse on you, but whatever <laughs> science. And so, um, they, uh, they, they, then they go down to the basement and they plant charges, but then they split up because that's always the best thing to do in a horror movie. They split up yeah. to put the charges in different spaces. And that's when Blair shows up and he grabs Gary. 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 <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I was going for his name. The guy, you know, he added like his fingers he going to his face. Grabs him mm-hmm. and starts uh. osmosis jonesing him. Yeah. And just <laughs> and then it's just like starts absorbing him. And so he's fucking done. But then mm, it's Niles, a really cool scene. I like the yeah. fact that you know there's not too many like obviously we've seen decapitations many, many times in many, many horror movies and in so many other ways. But like I can't remember too many where you see like the fingers like going into, into the, the skin. Yeah, kind of like, like in the mummy when the um what other the scarabs go oh, right, into the yeah. skin? Well, yeah. that was very CGI in yeah, those days. Yeah, but it was so cool at the time. Yeah, okay at the time. But <laughs> I mean, um, when, you, when you go back, what I watched that movie when we were on the uh, little the RV ship, yeah, trip, <laughs> and it's very CGI. It's a little too... I still I love know. Brendan Fraser in the But anyways, the, oh, this you was not CGI'd. In, Brendan Fraser, you should watch him in Doom Patrol. He's actually on that show. He's fantastic. Uh, it's on, yeah, it's a, I, it's a it's a DC show, but he's really good on that show. I really love him in in Bedazzled because he says this one line <laughs> that I quote all the time whenever somebody asks me if I speak Spanish, and I go, "No gracias, a mí no me gustan los crustáceos," <laughs> because he's a drug dealer and he doesn't realize he speaks Spanish. No, okay, never mind. Uh, no, you guys don't know girl movies. No, um, <laughs> I, although, that one had Elizabeth uh, Hurley, Hurley yeah, she right? Was the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Gary done for. Nalls is uh, also planning some explosives, and he's like, "I don't see this guy," and he disappears. He just walks right. into we forever. Never, we never see. Do we never see Nalls again? Nothing. Yeah. But so then, uh, Kurt Russell is there by himself, and he's like, "How's everything going?" And he pulls off his hood, and he's like, "Oh shit, where the fuck is everybody?" Yeah. And then he. He put he ready like the readies dynamite, the dynamite, yeah. And then He's... he sees something in the distance or something. He feels something, and then suddenly, like out of nowhere, mm-hmm. this tidal wave of like ice comes right. up, and it is in its full glory, monster Blair Gary Knowles. Yeah, <laughs> and it is just uh, grotesque looking, and um, it's like tremors. It comes through the ground. Yeah, yeah. and. And uh, and that's when Mac gets the dynamite and tosses it in there, runs the fuck out of there. And that's where the whole place just starts exploding and imploding on itself. And it's just this fantastic scene of just explosions galore. And he makes his way out and he's by himself. And you think that the movie's over. Then comes Childs. Yes, and right. these two classic, like strong uh, characters are the final characters of the movie. And they just sit there and he they're questioning each other, they're questioning each other about whether or not they're infected. But um Max says at this point, what what could we do to each other at this point? Like just yeah. accept our fate, right? Um so they figure they have a bottle of J and B. They're gonna just wait it out and they're gonna just die. They're just gonna go into that good night together and and by, by themselves. themselves. You wanna take it away? They just end it with we'll just sit here for a while. See what happens. See what happens. Yeah. 
And that ending is probably the most theorized and debated uh, ending, probably of any John Carpenter movie, one of any movies. I would say everyone has their theories. People say that when Mac and uh, Childs are talking, uh, Mac's breath is showing, Childs is not. So a lot of people think that Childs is the thing. Uh, they say when uh, Mac gives him the flask, it's actually filled with gasoline. And he watches Childs drink it, and that's why he's laughing, because he's like, he thinks he is. Um, personally speaking, I like to he think... He doesn't take a drink like himself. Mac doesn't take a drink from he that does not. He does not. Huh. Which, could, which could mean he could be the thing Childs could be. I like to think the opposite. Personally speaking, when I watch it, I like to think that neither of them are the thing, but they're both so incredibly paranoid they're just gonna die together and just freeze to death, just completely like, you know, wrapped up in their own paranoia. Um, but I like to think that both of them are human, but they're just so paranoid, they'd rather just freeze to death than trust one another. Yeah, yeah, that's, I how, get it. that's how I did it. But I didn't think of them as dying because of their own paranoia. I thought of them as they're dying for the greater good. They know right, right, right. they must die. Like, I, I didn't think of it that they're paranoia feeding each other because when they, when they do say, well, what damage could we possibly inflict on one another at this point? Um, when they say that, I understood that as let, let's like, we know what we have to do. We have to die. Like there's yeah. no, we cannot risk possibly being infected because from what we understand from the, all the other characters, they don't know themselves that they've been infected. Right. They, yeah. like, it, it's a dormant part of them. So in order to ensure that this thing doesn't, carry out into other ones, uh, to other people, then <laughs> like all shit broke loose because all the like, dogs also run around the kitchen. Um, <laughs> they, everything just has to end there um, yeah. in order to avoid infecting others. Yeah. I, I love that the movie ends in such a way where it's yeah, like a lot, you know, it just, it, it ends very simply, um, but it also- Very powerfully. Very powerfully, yeah. It's kind of beautiful where it's just like, you know, Mac and, Mac and Childs are just kind of like, okay, this is how it's going to be. Okay, it's just, and I kind of, I I, um, I will admit, I ripped off the ending of, uh, or I paid an homage to the thing in yeah, my last film. Homage is a much better term. You know, you, <laughs> we all grab inspiration from artists that came before us. There's, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, you know, at all, you know. Hey, I think the best artists rip off from other artists, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I basically did an homage to that ending because I just think it's such a powerful ending with just two polar opposites, just like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're cool with it. And it just ends. It's, 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 it's beautiful. Uh, probably one of my favorite endings in any movie ever. Yeah, sure. And I mean, um, so I, I'm okay. After, after that part, what that was it? It just fades out it after that. It just fades out. That's it. You just hear that theme. Mm -hmm. Well, also we're going back to that breath. Um, it could just be the angle, camera angles, because, uh, for example, uh, Mac he has all the darkness behind him, whereas yeah. um, whereas Child has white behind him. So it's like, yeah, there's a play with good and evil, but they're both uh, good. For the mo yeah. for like the entire movie, they're both good, or they're both good and evil, right? Because of the backdrops. But at the end of it, it just I feel like 
the breath and everything that can just be explained just because of camera angles and camera work as opposed to secret hidden meanings. But it's also fun to think that everything is secret. So I I like to believe both of them are human because I refuse to believe that Charles could have been taken over by the thing. And because what can I say? I love Keith David. Well, his, yeah. he's the flamethrower guy. He, you call Childs because you need the flamethrower. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I know. How he's, progressive is that, too? In 1982, they were like, give the black man the flamethrower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> only, and the black men are not the first ones to die in the entire oh, movie. Yeah. They're like the it. last one. Like, one of the last ones to he's, die was the other yeah. the other guy, uh, yeah. Nalls. Yeah. I mean, we I would say the two them. horror filmmakers that were the most progressive at that time were George Romero. And uh, I mean, you know, Night of the Living Dead, even though in the first one, the black man gets shot, but he's the last one. Yeah. And uh, with the, many of the dawn work, he survives. And then I would say Carpenter because he had the black man survive a lot of times. So I would say those two were always at the forefront of being the most progressive at that particular time. Regarding race relations. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah, at the end of Night of the Living Dead, it's, I mean, aside from him getting killed because of the police because fuck the police, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. awesome to die. Uh, great, yeah, great movie though. Um, again, I never saw it when I was younger. I kind of wish I did because some of these, I mean, I still feel like it stands the test of time, but you know, being younger when your imagination is a little bit more wild and you believe in other things a little bit more, like I wish I could go back and be 10 years old and watch this movie. Like this would have been... Yeah you know, intense at 10 years old, especially with the special effects and everything like that. Um, but, you know, even though I'm almost 40 now, I'm still definitely uh, glad I watched it and I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I actually do enjoy the fact that I was able to watch it now with a few other little tidbits and different perspectives and knowledge on other things. Cause it helps tie a lot of it in together, I guess, whatever. Um, but yeah, fun movie. I definitely recommend anybody watching it if they haven't seen it. And obviously, we, I know you guys would agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I love this movie. This movie, there's no question as to why this is one of the absolute movies you must see before you die. Yeah. Like, this is an amazing film. Again, it's very strange that... Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's a classic film. Yeah, I was just going to say, again, strange how when it came out, it wasn't as well perceived or again the timing or where we were in society as you know as a whole you know we just you know i think back then too especially because you know the early 80s they were always trying to point the finger you know those are the bad guys those are the drug dealers that's bad satan you know all this other you know rock and roll's bad all you know it's just like right so it was 82 so it was uh the end of the satanic panic of the 70s mm -hmm. and uh everybody being uh, scared of serial killers all the time and it was more into the more conservative era of the 80s which is what brought you mm -hmm. wonderful movies like this but it were other things like where you had supernatural i mean not supernatural uh science fiction based uh monsters mm -hmm. yeah. so i mean it, it definitely is you know it, it definitely shows you the the divide between then and then after yeah like it was before movies like the thing and then there's an after movies like the yeah. thing. have you That's ever it. seen the original original whatever it was the thing from outer oh, space or whatever the thing from another the thing from, from another, another planet world. yeah have uh, you seen that one I did. I did when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it's not this. The uh, the John Carpenter movie is more in line with the uh, the actual story. 
Um, right. So the the John Carpenter film, it was more. Let's see. I wrote it down. It was uh, based on the 1938 novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell Jr., who wrote under the pseudonym pseudonym Don A. Stewart. Um, and that is not exactly a thing that came from outer space. Um, although the thing that came from outer space is what they're watching in Halloween. What Tommy's watching. That came from another planet. No, sorry. Yeah. That movie, yeah. that's what it was. Um, this one's more about the novella. Yeah. It just happens to have a similar name. Yeah, you know, it's funny because in um, the remake of Halloween, they're watching Night of the Living Dead, I believe. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, and, they are. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's cool. I mean, I like how that also worked out, even though I, I've heard that John Carpenter does not enjoy the Rob Zombie remake at all. But not I, not I all. do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> well, I happen to love Rob Zombie. <laughs> I, I, I think that John Carpenter I, himself is very not uh, happy with the remake. I, 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 I got a line with Carpenter on that. I'm sorry, Heidi. <laughs> She's a big Rob Zombie fan. You can for be whatever wrong. Reason. That's okay. You're allowed <laughs> to be wrong. <laughs> I'm allowed to be wrong. I, I dig, I mean, uh, you know, from my musical background, I dig some of Rob Zombie's music and, oh, you know, I, I like what his interpretation of it, you know, incorporating classic horror and sound bites yeah. and all that into his art. That's all cool to me. Um, you know, I, I I actually like House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. You know, they were... I like Devil's Rejects. That's yeah, Devil's good. Rejects more than House of a Thousand Corpses, I think. But I... I uh, you know, I, when he did the, the remake of Halloween, I definitely went and saw it. Um, the second one, I was not as Yeah, into, I'll give you that. The second one kind of sucks. I know. do love Rob Zombie's Halloween just because it gives you a backstory, and I'm all about backstories. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I grew up loving Rob Zombie. Like, However, I though, loved Rob Zombie growing up. He was he was my dude. I celebrated his birthday, which was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> However, I do think that like the background story part of it, in some cases, I do agree. But in the case of Halloween... I think that's why Halloween, the first one, John Carpenter's one, was so um, powerful because they didn't go and explain. I think that's where the whole franchise yeah. went downhill is because they tried to say, oh, well, they're sisters and there's all, you mm -hmm. know, connection Which and is. the backstory and all that. No, and, and and Rob Zombie tried to make sense of that in his version by going yeah. deeper um, into the childhood. But I, I don't think it was necessary. I don't think Rob Zombie ever tries to make sense of anything. If anything, if... If Halloween, the Rob Zombie remake, was itself its own different movie, sure, that would have stood on its own as a really good movie. Sure. If, um, but the classic Halloween, of course, is an amazing film, and a part of it is because it was violence for the sake of violence. Like nobody knew why he was killing these. Right. Kids, exactly. Right? And, and yeah. that was beautiful. Like right. that is the reason why you're so terrified of it because you're like, holy shit somebody can just come after me for no bloody reason. Yeah. Um, but Rob Zombie's Halloween, I do enjoy it because I think a lot more because it came out, what, like early 2000s, right? Somewhere around Somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, because it came out early 2000s, it's about, it was around that same time, like when we were still kind of healing from things like Columbine and stuff. And, and you see that there is a cause and effect to all of these, uh, the way that you treat people. And I'm not saying that Rob Zombie is such a sensitive soul, though he is vegan. Um, he's not a sensitive <laughs> soul and such, but, but um, there is something to it. And then the way that we connected as a new generation, you know, kind of like he put in um, 
uh, a night of the living dead as what Tommy's watching in the movie, because that is what resonated with him at that time when he experienced yeah. that movie versus when John Carpenter put in um, the thing from outer, from another planet. What's the name of the movie? Yeah. I think that's that movie, because yeah. that is the movie that would have resonated with the people of that era, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think had it not been Halloween and he would have named it completely something else, he could have named it Thanksgiving and it not be Michael Myers. It could have been Michelle Myers, whatever the hell you want. Right. I think they could have stood alone as their own. Maybe, movies. but he was obviously going to try to explain some of the, yeah. the, uh, yes, you know, back. I, I think, I think not knowing is what made, I agree with you. I think the not knowing just kind of like, he's the boogeyman. He's the shape. I think that's kind of, I think that's what made Halloween so scary. And I would say, did either of you see the 2018 Halloween? I did. Yeah, we both did. Yeah. I mean, in that one, wait, did John Carpenter direct that one? He produced it. He produced it. With Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. That was the whole, um, she's got like a compound somewhere and she's got like the hidden downstairs thing and all that, you know. I dug that movie, but more, admittedly, I love the fuck out of that movie more because it has a Sarah Connor kind of vibe to it. You know, like this bitch is going to kick your ass kind of thing. And, and I really love that empowerment part of it. Um, couldn't tell you the storyline though. Like, I, I, for me, I loved it just because it felt like a true, like it felt like the, the, the real first connection since the first one. And I, I love that whole scene where he, because he's just like a caged animal. And they made him a man. I, I enjoyed that because in the sequels, he was just like so ridiculously. And he's, and he's strong. But it's like that scene where they go to eat, you know, the podcasters at the, they're at the um, gas station. And it's so well done because he just kind of like walks. And then, you know, she's asking him to go to the bathroom. And you see in the background, he's just beating this guy to death. Um, and then he just drops the teeth, he kills them, takes the mask, and then when he gets the mask on and he goes to Haddonfield, it's like it's like an animal that hasn't had hasn't been able to taste blood in years, decades, and he's just like, Okay, well let's see. And I love that continuous take where he just goes, he goes to the shed, oh, there's a hammer. Oh, look, there's a house. Let me walk inside. Oh, that person's there. Let me kill them, take a knife. Oh wait, uh, we pass a baby, let me go outside. And we look around. Oh, there's a person. We walk on the porch. Uh, oh, she's walking in the back. Let me go around. And he goes and he just, and she's going to close the blinds. And that scene where he just really just takes her head and just slams it and then just slices through her, you know, like road, and then just drops her and walks away. I was like, that's awesome. Because it was just so brutal. It was like a shark. It I was, haven't seen it, and I haven't. I don't remember it as vividly as you do. So yeah, well, I just saw yeah. it again this week. That's why well, I remember. Well, that well, so this is where just you describing it though. It takes uh, Michael Myers from being a serial killer to being a spree killer, right? And yeah. then, and that's two different um, two different uh, avenues that a person can take, but they can't be one and the same. So it oh. definitely is. It can. It, it can. It, it does tie it in, but it's not an evolution of Michael Myers. It's a completely different take of Michael Myers. Yeah, sure. I, I was really excited for it when it when it came out. Oh, I thought it was actually pretty well, uh, well done. Um, you know, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is a badass in the movie. Um, oh, yeah. The one thing that threw me off, and this is only because of uh, 
how it related to me is that the mom who 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 played the you know it was grandma mom and daughter right so jamie lee curtis is the grandmother the daughter who she tried tried to groom her whole life is a great actress i forget her name but judy Judy yeah so she's the voice of on Archer, if you've seen Archer, she's the secretary girl on Archer. Oh, who, yeah, so, so for me, every time I see her in anything, all I can hear about is like, you're not my supervisor. <laughs> I remember her from uh, that movie, was it Jawbreaker? She was the she was the nerdy girl. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, it should be clear. That's yeah. like, um, that's like an indie film from the 90s. Yeah, Jawbreaker, yeah. I, didn't, I don't remember. Rose McGowan? She started, yeah, she was the bad girl. Said, uh, I never Judy saw it, but I remember girl. hearing of it. I never saw it though, but uh, I didn't know oh. she was in it. But but that's the problem is anytime I see her and anything now, all I think about is her character in Archer. Yeah, you know, we say that to the kids all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, uh, so, I haven't. I've not watched Archer. I need to sit down and watch that. I, you have this to watch Archer. Show. You know, I I love Archer. Um, my kid turned me on to Archer, um, but because we love Bob's Burgers, and it's the same oh, yeah. guy that voices both characters, yeah. um, but, like, Bob's Burgers and Archer, like, I don't watch a lot of, like, animated grown-up TV, like, uh-huh. I, I, I can't tell you anything about South Park, for example, but Bob's Burgers and Archer, like, primo. Well, yeah, I just, um, Archer's a great show, and, and she plays this crazy kooky secretary who changes her name a bunch of times, <laughs> and she sniffs glue a lot, and she's got this crazy, like, uh, sex fetish where she loves to be, like, choked and... <laughs> she likes pain yeah. she likes so so it's, like i said after seeing her and hearing that voice in that show and then whenever i see her in any other um acting role all i can think about is that particular one role so it's hard for me to uh take it seriously because i was thinking <laughs> about the cartoon but again going back to the halloween movie i did think it was better than it was way better than the one with busta rhymes for sure oh yeah so, <laughs> i don't remember resurrection that, that, that's halloween oh uh, fuck resurrection the one, or they were like in a but uh yeah that said i love busta rhymes I love Buster Rhymes too. Just not, not, not as an actor. Just not as an actor. <laughs> yeah, not as an actor. Not, not like I love LL Cool J, just not as a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Same. Same. <laughs> all right. Um, so I think that's all that we have time for today. Thanks so much for being back on. Definitely. I love having you on here. Definitely. Yeah. Thank, thank you for inviting me, guys. And uh, yeah. stay safe and mask up and just uh, take care of yourself there in this really crazy time. Definitely. We're actually going to be launching some ice cream parlor uh, masks with some like morbid elements in it. So we'll send you some. Cool. Sweet. I'd love some. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all we do have time for today. Thank you so much to Buddy Chambers for joining us today. Yes. And Stefan, again, congratulations on the new album. Thank you. Um, and, all the, and all the links to um, all of uh, Buddy Chambers projects and all of Stefan's music is going to be in the show notes. Um, reach out to us whenever you want to. You can find all of our information on icecreampodcast.com and we will see you next time. Yep. Yeah, we look forward to having you again. We'll definitely uh, get you on again when we get to, uh, well, what was the movie you said you wanted to do? Um, Um, Oh, you were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Oh, oh, Texas Chainsaw. Oh, sorry. I was talking about my own project. Sorry. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw (laughs) 2. Yes, yeah. I would. Uh, but I, your I would own project that. too. Like when, yeah. when everything's done and you have trailers for us, just send them on over. Absolutely, like we, yeah. We, we love your stuff, so we're awesome. here. Thank All you guys. Right. We'll you talk to you awesome. soon. Take All care. Right, have a good one. Thanks, you too. Take care.
Okay, bye.